Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome back to another Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Pistol, and I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Pig. How have you been? Hi, Pistol. Very good, very good. Uh, happy to be on and talking with you again after a weekend of footy. <laughs> we can finally test all of our theories this weekend. We're like, yeah, this player should be good based on this, but being able to see it with our own eyes is an absolute game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um... And it's good to see the teams mainly, I guess, doing what they will do in the regular season. Still a few like little tweaks and twists, but I think a lot lined up kind of how we're expecting them to line up so we can actually judge and have a little bit of confidence, I guess. Yeah. Now, for this practice match, um, I guess weekend and well, week, it was actually a very long week, um, in general, one of the key things I like to consider is the how the player... Um, posi- lined up positionally, um, yeah. more more so than what they scored super coach points wise. Um, I think one thing I do like to look at, ironically, is the dream team points um, because you know if they were able to get the ball and do all the actions um, mm-hmm. to get the ball, then the super coach points will follow a lot of the time throughout the year. Um, so. Yeah, ironically, in the preseason games, I follow the dream team scoring a lot more closely than the super coach just because teams do weird things and low time on ground or whatever it is. But um, that's kind of how I like to assess based on position and dream team scores. Do you follow a similar script or do you look at some other things as well? Uh, For me, it it is very heavily role-based and what role do they have and is that where we expect them to line up? look a bit like how many CBAs or how many kick-ins they had a little bit, although I'm, I'm never as big on them as a lot of people are. It's probably more like their role and kind of what action they were doing. Um, like We'll talk about a few players later that had a definite role change, like Nick Martin and Max Holmes and whatnot, and 
like we expect them pr- to probably do that throughout the year, so it's probably a good indication of what they did. Um, there are some guys like Caleb Daniel who was essentially played like a sub, and I find that one kind of hard to judge if you're <laughs> going to do that all year or whatnot. But yeah, generally it's role. Super coach score, I don't really care that much, and also, especially for my premiums, I really don't care what my premium scored, um, unless it's you know really unexpected. And one thing to note, like these preseason games are so open and free flowing, and there's so many marks in each game. And um, as ZP Zero Pressure said in our uh, Slack chat, he said it very open the preseason. Outside player go good. Yeah. And, and I think we need to remember that it's going to be, it's not going to be hard and physical. It's going to be just you know really free flowing. Like, I think Will Hoskin Elliott had 12 marks on whichever yeah. night they played. That's not going to happen all the time. So there's going to be some inflated scores, especially from those like free-flowing halfbacks or wingers. So there needs to be some grain of salt applied. Yeah, the Jaden Short 40-plus possessions against the Pies um, previously. And then I guess we should just jump straight into it, actually, talking yeah. about Jaden Short. Yeah. Hey, the Collingwood-Richmond was the first game up. Um, to no, no one's surprise, Jaden Short did very well again. 27 touches, 9 kick-ins, 120 supercoach points. Now... Um, uh, I know Vlosuom wasn't playing, so the kick-ins are probably halved. Um, did you see anything from this Richmond team, or even the short, starting with short probably, uh, that, I guess, screamed pick me? I think if you're already hot on Jaden Short, I think this is confirmation bias enough to, to go for it. Uh, I think he's been moved back to that half-back role where he was a good scorer. Um, yeah, I personally, he's on the same buy, I believe, as Melbourne which is Max Gorn. So I, I, I'm trying to avoid more than one premium on each buy. So I'm happy. I'm kind of happy to cop one premium on each early buy, but I don't really want two. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason I'm avoiding short. But if he didn't have a buy, I'd, yeah, he'd be pretty close to my team, I think. I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, I think Jaden Short's one of those 105 guys that's not priced at that. He's priced at 100, well, no, it's at 98 or 99 or something. And he's likely to go 105 plus but that early buy really does put a dampener on it as you said you can't really avoid the other you know gone being the other ruckman because he's kind of a must select at this point so um i'm with you i i've rethought my structure and premium structure um after this preseason and come up essentially with the same logic as you that i only really want one player per buy um if i can avoid if i can avoid selecting more so um yeah, that I've, I I had him in my team like immediately after the game and mm. then I'm like, mm, actually, I'm going to think about this a bit more um, and pulled him back out. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a no from me. But um, on the Richmond side, uh, one of the, I guess, surprise packets was uh, Naismith. He scored 87, 13 touches. Um, now, Naismith has been playing because Nanx had um, some foot issues, and they seem to be lingering as well. So I think Nank is going to get an early run um, in the season. So I think it's um, as simple as selecting with our R3. Yeah, I think so. Well, we get to see what happens in R0, um, and then also we get to see round one to see if Nank's playing. Nank did in the pre-game interview this game, he did say he's pretty confident he'll be back round zero or one, but that could just be him blowing smoke as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, I think it's as simple as if Nank's not playing round one, you pick Naismith, and that's that easy. 
It's easy to make in your side now because if you don't pick him, you're pretty much going down to 102k non-playing player. So you may as well create your team with Nank at R3 and go from there, I think. Um, Did anyone else on the Richmond Tigers side seem um, super coach relevant? Yeah, um, Thompson Dow's one I'm quite interested in. I I don't know if I need him. Like I think my midfield, I think the midfield rookies are good enough, and the premiums are some underpriced ones that you probably don't need a Thompson Dow price point. But if he comes out with another near ton in round zero and kind of looks like he's going to kickstart his cash gen, I'm very interested in him. He's like a little contested bolt beast in there, like. I think I said in Slack, he's like a, a baby skinny Tom Green. <laughs> Just the way he played reminded me of him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Thompson Dow, if he has a good round zero score, he's in consideration. But, like, I wish he had forward status. I don't need him in the midfield kind of thing. Yeah, I think the hard part for me is that he doesn't seem to be a guy that's going to mark and kick very much. So his ceiling is somewhat limited. He just, like, loves getting those contested yep. clearances and those possessions, Always those little handballs, yep. lots of handballs, some tackles, not even a massive amount of tackles. But um, I don't know if you can continually score super well if that's all you do. I mean, maybe. Um, mm. um, if he puts out another ton or close to ton in round zero, you're going to have to start asking some questions. But um, it just seems a bit too unlikely for me. And I'm trying to disregard the score and look at the role is good. 20 touches is not amazing. Um, 57 Dream Team, also not amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, too many. Well, let's, let's, let's talk next week on that one. And, and Gipkis um, had eight touches, 62 Supercoach. Uh, look, I think we know what we're going to get from a key defender or roughly yep. key defender. Um, it's not going to be pretty Supercoach scoring. It's going to have games where he literally will score in the 30s um, and then there'll be games where he puts out the 60s or 70s, depending how close it is. Um, do you think, because this has been a talking point, do you think he needs to be on your bench? I am trying to make a team where he's D7 and he doesn't need to be on my bench. Um, on your field, you mean? Yeah, Yeah. sorry. He doesn't, yeah, where he doesn't need to be in my field. I'd like him and my other D8, if it's Zach Reed or if it's another key defender, I'd like to have them on the bench. Um, and I know it's kind of a bit okay. Like with best eighteen, it may not. They may drop off, and it might not be an issue. Um, but I don't know. You could have other rookies that have putrid that round, and then you have to field him or an injury. I I think he. I think he's kind of fifty fifty. I wouldn't be against him being on field. Um, I, I think I saw in your team he's on field at the moment. Is that you're okay with that? Yeah, I, I just so I kind of like. Um, that he has a buy rounds because you know it just means that he's he's going to make cash a little bit earlier. Yep. Um, I think what you could potentially do um, is you know we'll see how he goes in his first round. He might be one of the guys that you could cull before his buy and get you know a head start um, in that way. And whether that's a side swap to somebody um, like Zach Williams or something if he delay starts. And uh, appreciate thanks Azza for the idea. Um, mm-hmm. I think those those types of plays could work, but for me, in the best eighteen, four of the first six rounds, like you have two rounds that you just have to survive him not having an absolute stinker, um, and you have, I guess, um, somewhat decent matchups in those weeks as well. So I'm hoping he can just survive. Um, I, I don't know if that's a, a, a great strategy, but it's <laughs> definitely um, one that I'm hoping works. Is just those first. 
in those first six weeks, um, having some weaker rookies on the field, I feel like not going to really hurt. Um, and I'm trying to craft my team in which I have one or two, I guess, weaker rookies um, because I think overall my rest of my team will be a lot stronger because of it. And I just um, have to survive two weeks and hope they those aren't the weeks that they put up miserable scores. Yeah. Well, his round four is um, when it's not best 18, uh, which is gather round, and they play St Kilda, who are a very easy matchup for defenders. Maybe there's some chipper rounds that he can get. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not against him being on field. Um, at the moment, I think I've got him D7, but my team's not finished yet. <laughs> In flux. <laughs> um, and just before we go on to uh, Collingwood, which we will, I'll just say if anyone was keen on Tim Taranto, I think he didn't do you any disservice. I think. He's, I think I said in our Primo podcast, I think he's being underlooked, overlooked a bit as someone who could get back to a top 10 or 12 mid like without much question. But um, whether he does it or not, if you weren't thinking of him beforehand, don't add him after this. But if you were one of those few people who were hot on him, I can't see a reason why not to, apart from the buyer. Yeah, but buyer is a big issue. Yeah. Um, but I don't think... It, so Bolter played more forward than... What we probably, I mean, that's probably what we imagined, but yep. it's not not in the midfield. Same Baker didn't play um, in the Dust, midfield. Dusty, Dusty was actually fairly forward as well. Yeah, it wasn't a good game for. I, I, there's no more super coach options from the Tigers. No. Um, I don't think so. And uh, perhaps, um, perhaps actually, if we jump into the pies, um, we can see Dacos is just. An absolute jet, 102 super coach from 57% time on ground. Basically, yep. didn't play the second half. Um, I think he played a tiny bit in the third, but yeah, he just scores points for fun. Um, it's a kind of a joke selection at this stage. He's just next level good. Yeah, um, I've, I've only got one Collingwood player in my like even considering list, and he's in my lock them in list. So <laughs> yeah, Nick's my first pick, and he's probably going to be my vice captain every week nearly. Yeah. Um, so I think just to quickly touch on Lipinski who scored, you know, 126 and everyone said how great he looked like, yes, that's fine. But he also had done that the previous year, um, and then had not finished very strong. I know he got injured and stuff, but the Collingwood team is very, um, typically not like a high possession team. Um, I don't think we're a particularly good fantasy friendly team. We still had Pendlebury that didn't play in the game. Who's going to come back in. Um, so we're a bit all over the shop, uh, to be honest. I, I would yeah. stay away from most Collingwood players. I mean, Dugowie, um is somebody that I think is a really good draft selection. He scored 111 in um, 69% time on ground, uh, 22 touches, one goal, one. Um, I don't think he's got that 110 upside, but if you in a draft, if you look at this guy that's going to go a bit later and maybe has 105 upside, you probably can go there. But otherwise, um, I think... The only thing this game was on the Collingwood side that was really good for was ruling out Finlay McRae. Um, You know, came on, I think it was in the third quarter and had 10 possessions. So He was great in his very small amount of game time. Incredibly good. But the key words is very small amount of game time. Without Pendlebury. (laughs) Yeah. So it's another spot back and he was already the sub. Uh, I think where I would love him to start, but... It's a sub problem. He's mm-hmm. going to be the sub. Um, so we can probably kill that pick off. Right, yeah. Well, um, yeah, Lipinski to me is like a classic preseason player and like 
tap the sign as and zero pressure said uh, outside player go good. I think that's Lipinski. Yeah. Zero pressure. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> zero pressure in the preseason. To go, he actually was someone I put in one of my YouTube videos as someone that, I, that potentially could go 105, um, but yeah. that's pr- probably not good enough for classic. And then the only other takeaway was that I think Darcy Cameron's a no pick. I don't think anyone really was picking him in classic, um, no. but he. Yeah, just that split with Cox is too close to 50-50 rather than the 75-25, which the good Ruckman have. All righty, so let's jump to the Carlton-Melbourne game. Um, look, this game was all about one player. <laughs> Max Scorn, 130 Dream Team, 185 Super Coach in 74% time on ground. Um, he showed us what he can do without Grundy, and it is scary. It is incredible, and he cements himself as a, a captaincy option moving forward. Yeah, sure. And I, you and I actually mentioned this two weeks ago on our Five P's podcast. Um, we were saying that Gorn is the much bigger lock than Grundy, and yeah. that has proven right now. And yeah, he's easily a top three ruck. You could easily say top two, yeah. maybe even challenge English. I don't know, but. Yeah, Gorn, just pick him. I'm not going to go anywhere else with that. So I think the only, um, I guess, surprise packs from this game, um, Salem played as a midfielder, not as a defender. Um, yeah. 103 Dream Team, 102 Supercoach. I guess my concern is he's not particularly tr- cheap in Classic. You're paying, you're paying a primo price for a premium player. Um, but is... Do you think he could be good enough in the season to actually challenge the top 10 defenders? Uh, he This game, Clary didn't play, and I feel like he was kind of in the midfield mainly because Clary didn't play. I think he will probably come in a fair bit more in kind of filling Brayshaw's shoes a bit. Yeah, I think I he's the main guy. Yeah, I just like I would have liked to see this with Clary. It was really impressive to see him get nine tackles as well as his kind of 15 kicks, which is... Um, what helped him get a ton? I, I don't think he's a hundred and five guy. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like picking players who were never on my radar before preseason, and I hadn't even thought of Christian Salem. So yeah. I'm not going to pick him. He had 22 CBAs, which was a game high from either side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, he's he's the guy that will benefit from Brayshaw's uh, unfortunate retirement. So. Um, Clary in does share the load, absolutely. Um, but I think this role is here to stay. But my issues with Salem is he's very injury prone. Um, yeah. He's 420K, so he's not that like particularly cheap. He has the early buy. I know that's good we can see his role, but it's not good for having an early buy as a premium. Um, there's probably enough there that I don't go for, um, but so might be another draft pick. Um, how did you see Billings and Windsor for that matter? Uh, Windsor I loved. I think he's definitely a pick, although I was wary of him because he's playing the wing and Lockie Hunter's still not back, but there has been a fair bit of news out that Lockie Hunter may miss quite a few weeks. Yeah. I think whatever he has is more serious than they first thought. So, yeah, Windsor, absolutely. He looked incredible. Like, he only had 11 touches when I'm looking at now. He looked like he's everywhere. Um, And he needed two goals to get a 77, but I could see him, you know, boosting his disposal and he only had two marks as a winger yeah I think he's a I think I'd be quite happy to pick Caleb Windsor and I will be yeah I 
I'm I'm still I could pick him. <laughs> yeah. I need to see a nice score in round one. I think kicking two goals obviously boosts your score. So I'm trying not to look at the score. Um, Eleven touches isn't great, but he did only have sixty six percent time on ground. I don't know if that's realistic. Um, in yeah. a full length game, I'm not sure. Um, but I just think there's other forward options around that price or cheaper that I might prefer. So yeah, you may like you may we'll not see. need him. I just I yeah. think he's actually just a genuinely very good player. Um, obviously, being a rookie still and a yeah. winger, but and he could have those um, kind of uh, Ollie Holland's games that got stuck on a thirty or forty when he was stuck on a wing of last year. But I think he's just a really, really good player. Billings did impress me. Um, 17 touches. So he yeah. just got a bit more of the ball. I know the role is still, um, I guess, finding... They're trying to find him in space around the half forward for him to kick it inside 50. Um, it's not an amazing role. Um, but I think at his price, which is not very expensive, uh, 250-odd, he could... Or 240-odd, I should say. Um, he definitely could go with... An 80 average, but more more importantly, he's the type of guy I think that can have a spike score and yep. really boost his cash gen. So that was enough for me to lock in Billings. I I, I saw what I needed to see. I've kind of I don't think I've been anti Billings, but I've been trying to find a way not to pick him. I just I didn't but, have him at all. Yeah. Any any preseason iteration, I was totally anti Billings. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I've had him in and out, but kind of fading to not want him. But yeah, what a, this was this was enough and. Like he's only two hundred something k. If he averages, we well, had a ninety. If he averages eighty, even he should with some spike scores, he'll make money. So he's in my wait and see round zero score uh, bunch of bananas. But yeah, I'm pretty confident pick him. Bailey Laurie was the other little cash cow I was looking for this one. He had seventeen touches, but only got a fifty-eight. I to be honest, I don't really know what he looks like, so I didn't even notice him. But <laughs> that might he's in my wait and see round zero. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think him and Howes as well. Um, Howes down back, both wait and see. I mean, if they come out with good scores, you could pick them. They're both almost based. They're they're one twenty three and one twenty five k, so um, they don't cost much. We'll wait and see and reserve judgment on them. But I'm, I'm yeah. given with picking Billings, and you know we've got Gorn, and um, I guess potentially um, if you're going down the short route. You're already racking up quite a few players missing in that round. So if you add in Windsor and you add in Bailey Laurie and you add in Howes, you start to get into actual trouble with that best 18. So um, you'd uh, have to trade a couple of them out before then. I was going to say a little bit, but I'm more like trying to avoid the primos. I actually think these guys, like Low- like if it's Lowry and Billings and Windsor, having the early buy could be good because, like you said, they get an extra price cycle. They could be getting like a trade out by their buy anyway. Yeah, um, but if they do a spike score behind the buy, you'd have to still trade them, probably. Yeah, so it's yeah. A bit difficult to judge. Yeah, it is. So yeah, we don't want to load up on them, but I'm not scared of having a few, especially if I plan to trade a few out before they buy. From the Carlton side, um, did you see anything super coach relevant? I have a note on here to probably go away, stay away from Razio Fantasia. <laughs> um, yes. He's a very nice price, and he's an experienced body, but he didn't do much at all. Nothing. Um, and my other Carlton note was, it sucks we didn't see Zach Williams. So, that are my only two Carlton relevant notes. 
Yeah, I think we might see Zach Williams in rounds zero, perhaps. Might be limited minutes restrictions. Probably will be heavily, If he, he, I imagine, if they can sub him out, they probably would like to do that. Yeah. Um, Carlton have I, like a few potential cash cows that didn't really get any game time, like Bins and Wilson. Like, yeah. like they hold on both of those guys and maybe they become downgrade targets later in the year, but yeah, not for now. No, I think we wait for that round zero. I don't see myself with any cuts and plays going into the season. No, neither. Uh, maybe Z-Will if he has a good round zero. Oh, uh, yeah, perhaps. All right, why don't you take us through what you saw in the uh, Sydney-Brisbane game? Yeah, well, this one, I because there was two games on at the same time, I didn't watch this one live, and I went back and watched it the next day. Um, and Errol Gordon's a freak. Um, <laughs> yes. And I wish he didn't have an early buy, and I'd think about him. He, I'm, I'm pretty comfortably not starting him because he has the same buy as Dacos, and I, I'm preferring Dacos of the two. Um, and but, Grundy, if you go on that route. Yeah, and if if you go Grundy, then that's two. So, Errol's amazing. I'm yeah, like I said, that's just my own rule of only having one primo on each buy. If, if people didn't care about that much, I think Errol's incredible. Uh, James Jordan is absolutely locked away in my team, as. In my forward line, like what do you have? He had 115 super, 119 fantasy. If that's what you're more paying attention to, like 31 disposals, nine marks. With um Mills, Parker, and Adams all out now, maybe get some more CBAs. I think he just isn't good enough player to be a cash cow even without the CBAs. So yeah, I'm big on James Jordan. So I wasn't super high on him. Um, I was a, a bit higher once Parker got out. I did put him in my mm-hmm. side. Um, and then looking at the game as well, he's, well, I mean, we're, we're, there's no forward premiums really um, or, or minimal, I should say. So we're looking for someone that has some sort of scoring potential. So to, for him to be able to put up 110 plus, have 31 possessions and be a mid-pricer in the forward line with a decent role in a side that's going to win many games. Uh, just kind of all lines up for yep. us to select him. Almost yeah. a no-brainer now too. I agree. I think, not a classic guy, but um, James Robottom I think will actually be good again this year. Uh, Roberts, I am on a little bit conflicted in because he had 100 super coach, only 65 dream team. Did have 18 disposals, but Jake Lloyd and Dane Rampey, I believe, weren't playing. So where does he fit in when those two come back into the back line? Not sure. Could be a sub risk. So, yep. Matt Roberts for me is a wait and see round zero score and roll. Um, could be a great cash gal if he gets game time, though. He's a he's a very good scorer when he gets game time. So, the strategy I have when building my team at the moment is putting him on my midfield bench um, so that I can downgrade him if I need to to people around a similar price. Um, yeah. Just because he's got that elevated price. Because if he if he has this role in round zero, then we're picking him um, basically no matter what. So you may as well build your team around him and remove him if he's bad rather than try and having to find that 30K to bring him in. Yep. Uh, and then the other one for Sydney is Brody Grundy, who was disappointing by the scoreboard, um, by the yeah, super coach and dream team scores. I Well, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I was actually... I'm trying to find a way to not start Grundy. And I'll, I think it's it's just based on the me only wanting one primo in each buy and I want Dacos. 
Yeah. They've been trying to find a way to not start Grundy and maybe have a different Ruckman. Uh, but, and when I when I saw this score online, because I wasn't watching it, I was like, oh, good, he was crap. Um, you know, he only had, where, I can't find him, he had nine disposals, only two marks, four tackles, no, only two tackles. And I was like, oh, well, that looks like he didn't try. Uh, which is actually my issue with Grundy. I've had Grundy in my team and I've seen him when he's been like mopey, disinterested Grundy and that's the guy I really don't want. Yep. Um, but when Grundy has a good attitude and he's going hard, he's one of the best players in the league and you want that guy in your team. So I actually like really paid attention to this game and I really paid attention to his attitude, which is probably a different uh, way of going about it. I didn't actually really care what his score or his stats were. And like he passed the attitude eye test for me. He was running hard, trying to chase and tackle guys even though he missed them. He was like trying to break through packs with the ball and throw his body around. So I actually saw enough with an average score to actually get me back on the Grundy train. He's still not like, I, I've cleared my team and I'm, I've only locked in the locks and he's not a lock for me right now. Um, but if he has a, a good attitude in round zero, he'll be in my team, I think. Yeah, I thought extremely similarly to you. I really desperately didn't want to pick Grundy um, just because the the buy situation, the early buy, and I was hoping maybe I could put in Sherry or, or some yeah. other Ruckman. Um, but he only had 60% time on ground and he scored 65. You scale that up anyway and you're looking at a 90-ish. So he's... He's not going to do worse than what he's priced at. It's a really safe selection to just be fine. Um, hopefully, we, you know, it's fine with an upside of great. So it's uh, frustrating, but the, you know, it's frustrating he didn't set the world on fire, but we'll just have to, to cop it, I think. We'll judge in round zero, but I'm leaning to having to build all my teams with him as my R2. <laughs> yeah, I am at the moment. And like if he. My my ideal world would actually be to have him until round five, until his buy, and then trade him to English then. But uh, but he may not have made enough money, or English still might be 700k, so it might not work. But um, yeah, we'll see the round zero score. But in terms of that'll give us some good indication of price movement. But yeah, more I'll be looking at his attitude and seeing if he's sulking or if he's throwing his shoulders around. Yep. All right. Heading on to the Brisbane side, uh, McCluggage. Looks like he's breaking out, perhaps. You know, 25 years old in that category. 162 Supercoach, 131 Dream Team. Enormous game. Um, early buy, which probably kills his classic selection. Um, or does it? <laughs> uh, I think McCluggage is also a, um, a very open the preseason outside player go goods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's a beneficiary of that. But also, he is in that age bracket and he, like you said he could absolutely take over he I don't have the stats on top of me on top of my head but I believe he really benefited from Ashcroft going out last year I think yeah, Neil and Dunkley did. actually didn't really change but he was the one that went up and Ashcroft's going to be out a while so you could I'm not st- I'm not starting a single premium from that Alton or Brisbane because they have the round two buy and that just seems like something I don't want to be a part of yeah um, but you know, very, very good draft pick, and he could actually be a classic guy. I'm not interested because of the buy. I'm not even looking at him, but if if someone was big on him, why not? It's it's kind of annoying, this this 
early buy with these Brisbane plays because there's a lot of ones that you'd say are, are, are punts and mm. I would like to take some of them. Um, I think like if they didn't have that buy, I could be tempted by a McCluggage. Um, I could be, I mean, I probably would pick Coleman to be honest. Um, his role, yeah. uh, I haven't been on Coleman at all in any game, even even in the after the finals, I was like, ah, you know, it's just had a good final series and stuff. But his role's legit. He's really good. Um, he scored, you know, 89 and 74% time on ground. He had 91 dream team, so he's not, like, relying on just kicking it well. He's just really good. Um, if he didn't have the round two bite, it might be a different story. But it's unfortunate because I think if he puts out a, a ton in round zero, um, he's pretty much what is it? it will be five or six consecutive really good scores um i think he's he's the real deal but i i also feel like you can't really pick him with that early buy and i also feel like there's 10 players in that 105 defender range and i'm not exactly sure if he's going to be 105 guy or just in that 100 to 105 range so it might just be a little worse than everybody yeah. else I, i'm probably a little bit cooler on him than you i think he like that classic halfback, you know, in a preseason, a little bit elevated. I, I think he's probably more in the like the ninety-five range for the whole season. Yeah. Okay. Um, but even so, that maybe that's enough money. I haven't done the calculation because he's not super expensive. Um, but yeah, early buy kind of kills it. But these Brisbane players won't have had a price movement up until up the game after their buy. So, um, yeah, if he has gone huge in round zero and huge in round one. You could just buy him after his buy, if, you know, if you've got the money or if you need to. So, if I look at the rookies, Loman um, basically turned up 150k rookie, and Tunstill 123k rookie uh, scored yep. 59. Um, are either of these guys in your consideration? Not at the moment, and it's like a purely job security thing. Um, I spoke to Dr. Um, on Twitter, and like he's a big Brisbane fan, and he loves Kyle Loman, but even he quite see where the job security is and if he's actually going to be in the in the team. Um, but if Kyle Loman is going to be in the best 22 and um, it's probably, if he's not going to be a sub-risk, like let's say, I don't know, if there's a Link McCarthy or a Dane Zorko injury or something like that and he's kind of guaranteed, yeah, I'd definitely look at him. Um, and I think Tunstall's a, a, fair, a fine enough scorer too if he had the job security. I just don't have much faith in these two, you know, getting a fair bit of game time. Yeah, I mean, Brisbane's last few players on their best 22 list has always been weak. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen people like Harry Sharp come in and out of the side. I don't think it takes much for one of these guys to just, like, have a breakout year and cement themselves in the lineup. Um, I think, what was it, Dev Robinson isn't yeah. in the best 22 at the moment off the top of my head. No, um, I don't think he played. No, and then you still have like um, Jasper Fletcher running around there. Um, even Jared Lyons might just be the per- permanent sub guy um, again this season if they if they want to use him that way, which might give a lot of these young guys um, some really good playing time early. Um, their team's quite unsettled, I think, at the back end. Yeah. Be, it's going to be interesting to see how they line up with round zero. Unfortunately, this is another one of the, the picks where I'm currently thinking to just put him in my team, Kyle Lohman, and then, you know, if it doesn't go well in round zero, I've got plenty of options around that price to to, to downgrade him to. 
or upgrade him to, depending on some other yeah. round zero kind of players. Like, kind of like your theory of picking the slightly more expensive of the option, so that then if they fail, if they're not an, a pick, then you, it's easy to go down. It's hard to go up and find. It's so you. hard. It's so hard when you've made your team that you like, and you're like, yes. This is my team. And then you're like, well, I really need this rookie that's 20K more. And you're yeah. like, but I like all my premiums. So then you're like, what yeah. do I do? <laughs> um, so just build it that way in the first place. Not, not an option because of the buy, but I think Josh Junk is in for a big year. I don't know. I just think him coming across last year, a bit like learning the new system, getting his feet settled. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the, like a top, you know, six, five or six mid this year. Um, okay. That, I don't know. That's just my gut feeling. But I'm not going near him because of his buy. Fair enough. I mean, it's hard to argue. Um, all right, why don't you want to take us through the GWS Gold Coast game? All right, I did watch this one live and I had a lot of feelings in it. Yes, please, uh, take us through your feelings. Especially related to Tom Green. <laughs> yep. Um, this guy just does things for me and I tried to jig it where I can get him in my team. Uh, and I... Uh, we'll talk about Flanders a bit lately, later, but I wasn't picking any premiums from this game, uh, this round three buy if I had Flanders, but I, I'm fairly off Flanders now, which we'll talk about in a bit, which means I probably could take a premium from um, the Giants or the Suns who have the round three buy. So Tom Green has floated in and out of my team. He's an option. Tuke Miller has also been an option, um, but... Like, Tom himself is incredible, 31 disposals, a goal, 118 super coach, and just made it look so easy. Um, but you and I talked about it two weeks ago, and I think you had him in your team two weeks ago, and apparently I talked you out of it, just with the two buys in the yep. first 12 weeks. And now we've kind of swapped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I was uh, thinking about it, the two buys, because I, I also am a big Dawson fanboy, so... I was just thinking, look, Dawson's got zero buys up until his first one, um, till round 15. And Tom Green has two buys. So yeah. worst case scenario, I can just trade Dawson the Green if I wanted to. Um, but I feel like Dawson's going to outscore Tom Green with two buys and feels a lot better and safer. So I made that swap really quickly after that podcast, after our discussion. Um, it just sucks when you see Tom Green dominate and you're like, oh, man, I had that guy on my side. But yep. you've got to keep reminding yourself. I mean, same as Goulden. Like, I would be surprised if after the first four weeks, Goulden isn't like in the top three highest scoring players. Yeah, um, but that just by just just really kills it. And um, oh, a little bit off topic, but I saw the Giants uh, bosses petitioning for round zero to become a thing full time. Oh, so I'm, ag- I'm against that. But- only from a super coach point of view. Um, yeah. Kieran Briggs, I would actually be fairly interested in nearly too if he didn't have a buy. I think he's got another level to go. He just looks like a beast. 20 possessions in 66% time on ground. Yeah. 112 super coach. And he's played he, against Jared Witts, one of the hardest ruckmen in the league, and yeah. dominated him. And, and it wasn't like Witts was... I mean, these guys had had 25 CBAs and 23 CBAs, the most on the ground, the two of them. It was yep. like they, they were doing the proper ruck dance. They weren't holding <laughs> back. Um, they played pretty much exclusively on each other. Um, Briggs, Briggs is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a – like if you're in a draft, he could be 
I don't know. He could he could outscore Grundy potentially. I don't know if that's a big call Absolutely. or not. But I I think Riggs could be better than Grundy from a an average this year. It's just that he has the buy and he's a lot more expensive. He's a lot more expensive than Grundy, but I think he's much better than Grundy. But also, yeah. I mean, I think we discussed in the last podcast. Grundy's not not really a. It's his weird. He's kind of like an okay. We'll we'll pick him, but he's not a top. It's not English or Marshall who we're going to outscore him. Um, no, I'm, I'm pick, if I'm picking Grundy, it's as a, it's it's as in a, a cash cow. Cash cow, yeah. And, and to try and make me 120k and score me some good points while. And Briggs hopefully... isn't a cash cow. No, because he's over 600k. I'm I'm assuming I don't have it in front of me. He's he's, he's um extremely yeah, good. 608. Yeah, he's he's extremely good. It's he's got yeah. He's got. He ticks a lot of the boxes. Um, he's young and he's, he's. I would. I really wouldn't be surprised if he ended up as a third best ruck this year. Yeah. Um, terrific. But um, it's hard to pick him with that buy. Yeah. Unfortunately, to- Toby Green was incredible. He needed like he had six, like three goals, three to get that score. But even without that, he was. He just looked amazing. Um, he could be a top eight or so forward, but. There has he has also done interviews saying um, that he wants to see the young guys in the midfield go better and he'll sit up forward more, which yeah turns me off Toby Green a bit. But so I got a question about that, and I've got a problem with that statement. Yeah, so they're in a my, premiership window. Well, yes, I do actually think they're in the premiership window, but they have this player that you may have heard of him, um, this young rookie coming up that they played in their midfield. At 23 CBAs, the team high with Briggs, and he, he got more CBAs than, than Tom Green, who got 21. This young player, you may have heard of him, called Callum Ward, <laughs> had 23 CBAs and only one clearance. That's yeah. terrible value to have in your midfield. They must just love some things he, he does. Like I don't know if it's the high gruntness, but I thought Water would have been phased out of there three years ago, to be honest. I don't. They've had so many good midfielders over the time. The fact that after all of these years in a premiership window, they're still playing Ward as their number one CBA mid. I mean, Canelio is their third CBA mid. All these guys are quite. That none of them are spring chickens anymore. Um, yeah, there's something's gone a little bit wrong um, <laughs> in terms of their midfield mix. Um, I'm not sure what's happened, but it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that that was a tangent to me kind of saying uh, Toby Green's going to be great. He's going to have some big scores, but I think he'll have some down ones when he does play a lot more forward or doesn't get three goals three. Um, so they have... Yep. Yeah, you're going to talk about the buy flip? No, well, I mean, there, yeah, there, there's potential for a buy flip. I just hate booking in the trades. Uh, yeah, I'm not a buy flipper, even though this is the first year. I don't think I'm going to be a buy flipper. I think GWS's team is a little bit confusing to me. They've got like this top end talent that wins them games, and their bottom end is mostly a, a mix of high potential young guys and guys that you've never even heard of before. Um, we've got Josh Fay um, is 136k mid, and he had 69 dream team off half back. Did you know he had 16 touches? Did you notice him? Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good, and I do notice him because I've been hot on him for a year or two after his huge BFL numbers, and I've just been waiting for him to not be a sub. Um, 
but I still think he could be a sub risk. I, they've actually got four cash cows that I'm considering, like watching their round zero score and seeing their role. Yeah, um, Harvey Josh, Thomas. Harvey Thomas is great. I noticed him a lot. Like he was, he was kind of that link up between the middle, going into forward fifty, and I, I thought he was very impressive. Um, well, Brent just, Daniels got injured, so there's there's a spot up for yeah. grabs. Yeah, then there's also Jacob Weir and Aaron Cadman, um, who depend... I, I think Cadman you could pretty easily have at F8. It'll be a slow burn, but I think he's actually going to make a fair bit of money this year. Uh, Weir, I think, is a bit more of a sub-risk, but, yeah. you know, if he gets... Ga- all, any, all four of those could nearly be in our team if they're guaranteed to get game time. Thomas is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't think if you you got to watch it. <laughs> he's really good. Um, I he's 117k. He's got forward mid DPP, which we know we love. Um, there's a lot of forward rookies that are potential picks. He's certainly one of them. Um, I am very keen to watch him against the Pies. I mean, that's that's a tough round zero matchup for him. Um, and if he manages to pull off, you know, a 60 plus score against the Pies. Um, he he's he's serious. <laughs> yeah, he's a great player. The yeah. other one before we go on the Suns, I I don't really want to talk about him because I've never been a fan of Harry Himmelberg. But any thoughts from you? There's some people that want to select him. I think the early buy kills it. He he's priced. I don't think he's got that 105 potential. You're paying enough that he kind of needs to be a keeper. Um, he's. Yeah, the mid low ninety scores, I think, is about what you're going to get from him. Um, I thought you were going to say Lee Lear because I know people have been picking him. Um, oh, he's, for he a hasn't even been on my radar. No, 123k. I think he'll play, but he's he's a punch first guy. He's not even a mark first guy, so you're not getting many points. I think you're getting in the 30s and 40s. You're not making much cash there. Is he a defender eligible? Yes. Yeah. 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 Whereas so, when you're comparing to say. Um, Zach Reed, who likes to take an intercept mark and could get some spike scores from doing that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'd uh, lean away from Lee Kalir, I think. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Suns, I think. Uh, firstly, we have to acknowledge that Sexton is actually really good off the halfback, and everybody should be locking him onto their field. <laughs> yeah, as uh, the trader stud and everyone's been saying, he's bringing sexy back. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah, just lock him in. He's that's nearly one of the easiest picks right now. I am, I'm very pleased, mm-hmm. but also, it's it's quite shocking. <laughs> yeah, I think when it first got mentioned, which was maybe January, I was a bit shocked. But since I've just, I don't know, it's been it's become normal to me now. Everyone moving to this half back role, every single player wants to play off that line. Yeah. Um, and yeah, eleven marks. Like obviously, that's just the open, flowing nature of preseason. Again, you probably don't expect eleven every game, but he could get six or seven every game and easily average eighty or more. So now, before I talk about all of the Gold Coast midfielders, I think it's good to um, recognise the CBA splits of this game. I think it's yeah, probably the most important. important. This this is exactly how I think the splits will be throughout the season. By the way. Um, so Witz had 25 CBAs, Anderson had 23, Took Miller had 21, Raul had 20, Flanders had 9, Humphrey had 7, and then there was a couple of rookies that got given, well, you know, one I, or two. 
I agree that that's what will happen, but it's also kind of what happened at the end of last year. Like, people saw these amazing Sam Flanders average 106, but he was still only getting 30% CBAs there. He was yeah. just getting massive score because he's averaging like six marks a game, which is very unsustainable in my mind for a midfielder, especially a midfielder kind of running in off the forward line. Um, so I'm not at all surprised by that split, and I'm not at all surprised. Like, people disappointed in Flanders in this game. I don't think you should be. He played exactly the same role. They just got destroyed by the Giants. It was yep. slip, slippery pre-season game, and he just didn't, he didn't get the marks. So, yeah, I'm not that surprised. So Flanders, I thought, would get a little bit more mid-time than last year. Um, yeah, to be more honest, than, say thirty percent. I thought he'd get about fifty. Yeah. Um, so I was I was disappointed from a role perspective. Mm-hmm. So that that's enough that I thought. Well, I mean, he's not really that cheap. Um, his only cheap is if if you thought it was going to go a hundred plus. Yeah. Um, but now I have some question marks, and there's the early buy concerns. So I've actually removed him from my side for the first time this preseason um, because the role wasn't what yep. I expected, um, and I've been very I've been very hot on talk as usual, um, and I will admit up front that it's one of my weak points because I seemingly always have Took Miller um, in my side at some point or boost him in when he gets injured. That's another thing I love doing. Um, he looked like he was back to his best, in my opinion, and I will nearly certainly be selecting him to start the year. Yeah. I Maybe mean you shouldn't be talking about Took on the same podcast because I feel like we just <laughs> affirm each other because I also boosted Took in last year at the same time oh, and he got no. injured and I'm a huge Took believer um, and just watching this game like I, I put him and Green in my side and then thought no I can't have them both because of the pie so yeah. I'm but I'm still very open to picking one of them um, and even looking like yeah Took didn't do anything unusual that he normally doesn't do when he's going well he actually only had two marks, which is probably low for him, the amount he gets around the ground. So, And I oh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he actually also had about eight clangers, limiting his score of 116. Could have been a giant one. So, yeah, if you're selecting two, like my advice, as we've said, is to only have one buyer player from each buyer. So if you're still keen on Flanders, you probably can't have two. But if you're dropping Flanders like you and I have, two's back in play. Yeah, he had uh, six uh, direct turnovers and then two freeze against, so eight clangers total. Yeah, so yeah, that could have been a 130 or 140 if he didn't do that. Um, he's good price. I think that's the thing for me is I, I'm trying to pick those value picks Yeah. Um, in my team. I've got quite a couple of them in the midfield at the moment. And yeah, there, there's not many that I think can go 110 plus and be season-long keepers. Some of the other ones I'm selecting, I'm planning to trade out. Um, but him, and based on what Slack thinks, given in our previous podcast, Slack thought he'd go 109. Yeah. Um, I think similar, um, which is yeah, so why I. I want to pick him my team. And I know he's got the early buy, and I've been not wanting to pick people from that buy. But now that I've removed Flanders, as you said, um, I have no one else in that buy, I think given the value he presents, it might be worthwhile doing that. And I should say as well, when I've been redoing my team and thinking about how I manage this buy situation, a lot of it's been putting stronger, I mean, picking the best cash cows I can. I think I've got hustle weight. Well, I know I do because I can see my team. <laughs> I've got hustle weight at M9 
which some people would have him on the field. Um, and I think having him there to uh, jump in when I need him in those buy rounds might also be valuable. Um, so that's yeah. kind of how I'm leaning, structuring my side. I mean, it's still early days, but um, that's kind of what's going through my mind. Quick question on that. Do you think that that's like, say, the non-buy round, having Hussway at M9, do you think you're wasting his, not necessarily his cash, but his scoring potential? Like, he could be putting up 80s on your bench that you're not kind of getting just so that he covers you in a couple of rounds? Absolutely. Um, it's it's a it's a significant risk, but we'll have to judge that as we go in the season. You can always trade out someone, but that it, it does make me um, lean towards hopefully putting Harvey Thomas um, as my M nine and being able to I guess use DPP to ensure I have a buy player in my midfield at all the buy around so I can, I guess, loophole between my three bench spots or two bench yep. spots or whatever it is so I can always take advantage in four of the first six rounds and only really need to gamble on missing two of those yep. big that's, hustle weight scores. That's fair because I had the same thought initially. I thought, yeah, I'll just have hustle weight M9 and then I can I can pick all the buy players I want because it will cover them. Yeah. Then I thought, oh, no, but actually, no, I want hustle weight on field when it's like as much as possible um, because yeah. I think he's a really good scorer. Well, we um, do have quite a few by rookies, and that yeah. might help us get some of these other rookies onto the field. Yeah. So it's just something I need to play around and tweak when I'm building my side to try and ensure that he's not stuck yep. permanently on the bench every single week because that, I think, wouldn't be great because I'm sure watching after watching him multiple times <laughs> now that he's going to have some really good games. Yeah, I like him. Um, and we'll talk about him, I think, in Hawthorne. But Absolutely. last two players I was probably going to mention for Gold Coast was Bodie Yulin. People were keen on. He didn't really do much. I don't think he's really a pick anymore. He, he was good in 24% time on ground. He had eight touches. He, he just isn't – the job security's not there. Yeah. Um, and then the other one didn't have a big score because he only had one mark and two tackles. But I think Noah Anderson could probably go to another gear this year. He averaged 104 last year. I could see him like at a 109 maybe. Yeah. Um, maybe not quite breaking into that kind of top tier of midfielders, but a little bit of value, but probably not enough value. I, I think he's good. He's a good draft pick, I yeah. think. Um, Gold Coast have the easiest draw this year, something okay. that we probably should mention and that that makes me lean more towards took <laughs> i know if you need another reason um but it also will help <laughs> anderson um to achieve i guess higher highs because i think he's a i'm not a downhill skier but he he's some of his big big games were beating up on the worst teams and they play yeah. quite a few of those this year all right should we go to the next game absolutely um lead us off all right let's start with geelong and I've got two players that I've locked in my team from that game. Okay, locked. That's yeah. You can't change once you once you say this. Now yep. it's it's in. Uh, and one is actually not that good a scorer, but Tom Stewart I think was absolutely still fine. I think Geelong are going to be pretty bad this year, and he's going to get a lot of chip arounds to keep it in possession or a lot of kick ins. Um, I know there was a little bit of. Some people were talking about whether Max Holmes going back there kind of takes possessions away from Stewart, but I think they play quite different roles and score in different ways. Um, yep. I'd, I, and with that, with Sicily going down, I just 
like not going down, but not uh, being as popular, I guess. I'm I'm pretty I'm still hot on Tom Stewart. I didn't say anything that made me go away from him. No, I'm with you. And then my other lock, um, and maybe a little premature because he only played sixty percent game on, game time or something. But is Jai Clark? When he was on the field, he was incredible. Um, and I think I'm happy to you know put him on a mid bench and just see how he goes in the first little bit. Um, I think they do want to get game time into him. You might be like remembering Caleb Sarong's rookie year or first few years. They kind of massage him a bit, but I feel like he can still score enough in seventy percent game time. Absolutely, um, he he looks really both both those players looks really good. Um, I think what surprises me a little is like I don't think Duncan is particularly. I think he's really dropped off what yep. he used to be. I'm not sure how many games he should realistically play. Um, but Holmes playing kind of a CBA slash halfback. I, I mean, it's a, Nick, it's a Nick Dacos role. I don't know how, how else to describe yeah. it. Um, it was actually hilarious that they both of these teams had a Nick Dacos role. They were doing it to each other. Yeah. And, and neither one even tried to stop the other one. It's, I mean, it is the preseason, so you're not going to do that. I wonder if this has a chain effect of... One, now there's a new AFL position, which is the Nick Dacos role, where you get CBAs, but then you also play off halfback, and then you just you never defend. You're always attack, attack, attack. Um, maybe that will cause teams to have to play a cooler, like you know, a half-forward mm. tagger. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's a role that's going to be invented to stop this type of behavior because it was incredibly effective. I mean, yeah. Holmes, Holmes had 29 touches and a goal, and Nick Martin had 28 touches and two goals. <laughs> yeah, they were both just doing what they wanted. And Holmes did his in, you might have the stats there, in quite low game time. Because 65%. He, yeah, he had 108 super coach. He went off with, he got tackled and kind of his ankle under him, and he, so they just took him out of the game as a precaution. He, he and Danger, I think, half the game said he'll be fine. Um, but, you know... He won the AFL Grand Final Sprint last year and he was showing that off in the game. He'd just take it, put it under his wing and like run 30 metres and kick it 50 metres. And yeah, he was just doing what he wanted, Max Holmes. He's in my heavy, heavy consideration. I just... Oh, wow. Yeah, I just... He's not in my team because I would rather the Essendon guy doing the same thing. <laughs> um, and actually, while we're talking about Max Holmes, I, I think he's less of a chance to get defender DPP than say Nick Martin or Carl Amon and that's just because he he did start defence a lot but he also went on the wing a bit and his comments and danger post game and I think mid half time were talking about how versatile he is and how he's going to play all around the ground throughout the year like yeah. danger even said he's kind of their weapon that will throw, throw all around so the fact that Max you know, I think Max is less likely to get DPP but I, because he's cheaper he actually you could just use him as a cash cow like a Brody Grundy type cash cow yeah so I kept my eye on Holmes a lot last year because in my uh, RDT where I came fourth he was mm-hmm. a POD for me um, that I brought in after like round two so he was in my side for a while and um, I love him I think he's like an incredible AFL footballer um, but I'm not sure from a fantasy perspective um or super coach perspective as well. He's not like an incredible user of the ball. Nick Martin's much better yep. ball in hand than Holmes is. Um, so I've got 
I feel comfortable that Nick Martin can go 105 because he's a good ball user. And I don't have that same... Um, I'm not as comfortable with Holmes going 105. I think I think Holmes will improve, no doubt about it. But you're going to be stuck having to trade him out, I think, at a stage. So he's not going to become... He's not going to be a top 10 defender. So it's a bit... Um, it's a bit of a no man's land pick for me. Yeah, I watching this game, I put them both in my team, and then I like deleted my team and said that's a bit silly. Hold on. <laughs> um, so I, I'm considering him. He's still on my like maybe list, but I don't think he'll make my team. Um, but you know, we did see some good things. Yeah. So before we move on to the Dons, um, Oliver Dempsey mm. scored 93 super. He coach. was incredible. Like, I was watching that game and I just kept, I don't know if I knew what he looked like. And I just kept seeing him bob up, especially on the lead, taking these contested marks while someone was trying to spoil him as kind of an undersized forward. He was, he was a lovely player. Yeah. He, he just, um, has two good forwards to come into that team in Rowan and Henry that could easily push him out. Um, if he, if he's playing round one, he could easily be a pick. I'm just not sure if he does. If he plays round one and he plays how he played in this game, he'll play every game the whole year. Yeah, he was awesome. I think um, we kind of got trapped with um, Chandler last season mm. where we were like, okay, well, we're not going to pick him because he's going to not have a good game and then he's going to get dropped. But then he had like six incredible games in a row and but he made 200K. <laughs> I think if Dempsey's named when Rowan and Henry are back, which I'm not sure if they're back for round one. I don't actually know what their issues are. Um, but yeah, well, if Dempsey's round name one, I think you can just pick him and just see how he goes. Yes, he's have, in that Kai Lohman price yeah. range. Yeah, and we have these fix-up trades for a reason, like you get one or two rounds in and you actually see which rookie you really need. And he might have been dropped by then, He might, or he might just be having negative 50 break-even and he's ready to go, so... Something at least interesting that between, you know, we've mentioned now probably a couple more forward rookies than people um, realized were options. Yep. And we think of, okay, we've, we've stuffed mid-prices in our forward line all the way to, you know, could be D4, I mean, F, F4 or F5 or whatever it may be. Um, but there's, there's a whole forward line that you can fill with rookies that might be better than all the mid-prices in terms of cash gen. Um, there's a lot more options available and team structures available mm. than we've seen. I think you could totally make a viable team that has six premium defenders, five premium defenders, four premium defenders, even three premium defenders, and you could really pack out your midfield or go thin in the midfield and the forward line as well. You could have all rookies and um, you know one or two mid-prices. And Where we, we haven't really spend seen... our money? We're going to uh, go yeah. into the year with like a million in the bank. English. <laughs> I, I'm heavily considering that. I'm, I made a team just before that I was actually really happy with that had 300k in the bank. So that could just be English. Um, I mean, we've got to spend it somewhere. Um, it, we're going to get to a stage where you, you pick all the, the value players and then you're like, okay, well, now I have two 300k left over. I should probably get a top of the end. I know they're not value, but it saves me a trade. Mm-hmm. Um Type picks. I think that's how we're going to structure a lot of our sides. I think um, whenever, we ha- whenever we have a podcast with a discussion actually about structure, and it's going to be really interesting because there's like three midfielders that I'm really, really comfortable having on field, like rookies this is. 
there's not really many defender rookies that I'm ready to have on field and forwards there probably could be a few but also there's a lot of mid prices so it's quite a few options I think it's it's, it's wild I love it yeah absolutely love it all right let's go on to the best team in the league all right Collingwood wait we've really passed we've really done this game no Darcy um, Parrish <laughs> um all right so did the Dons following on from our conversation two weeks ago did the Dons feel like a non-bottom four side to you <laughs> Uh, the first half, they were, first three quarters, they were good, and I, then they just put on the brakes. No, I, I think they're going to be, I think our forward line's going to be pretty bad, um, so we're going to struggle to score a bit. I think, I think we'll win quite a few clearances. Like, I think our midfield is actually solid, but no, I don't think they're that good. <laughs> sorry, sorry for rubbing it in. Um, I think watching this game, everyone should have Nick Martin, right? Yeah, absolutely. He had that Nick Dacos. Uh, Slack was calling him half seagull, half pig and trying to get AI to make images of half a seagull, half a pig. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's him. I think so, we, like a, a pigasus. Yeah, so it was. It was trying to be like a pig's body with a seagull's head and wings. Oh, okay. and <laughs> pigasus, I love it. Yeah, that Nick Pigasus Martin. That's what we're calling him. Uh, 28 disposals, 11 marks. Didn't only had one tackle, but you don't really expect that from that role. He was just doing what he wanted. Like, he started pretty much always at half back so i'm pretty confident in him getting to epp but he barely played there he would just wander up to the wing and wander up to the forward line and with awesome kicks into the 50 or goal assists or even kick a couple himself um even with ridley jordan ridley going down injured i think it even means he's going to play he's just going to be locked back there so yeah nick martin came into my side and he's in my lock them in category yeah no i was happy um very happy watching him and having put him in before just just confirmed my thoughts, which is excellent. Yeah. Um, Parrish had a really good game, 34 disposals and a goal. I mean, he is someone that has uh, quite a POD. I think he's in like 4 or 5% of teams. Um, do you think he has what it takes to go to the next level of scoring? This one is really baffling me a bit. Like, I'm, When we talked two weeks ago, you were surprised because I said I had Parrish in my team. Yeah. Um, and I w- so I was on him early. It might be funny to say, but this game nearly turned me off him a little bit. <laughs> okay. In the fact that he only had, we had five marks, but I think he only had like one mark at half time, and one tackle for the whole game. So I think that's always been a bit of an issue for him. Like people say, he's kind of a one-way offensive runner. runner. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, his his disposal efficiency has also been criticised, and I think he went over eighty percent this game with thirty four disposals. So, and I, I think I did say I wouldn't be surprised to see him improving that because we're him working with a coach for that. But the one tackle and the one mark up until three quarter time, I think it was that actually is nearly enough to turn me off and kind of stop me from saying I think he can be a top mid, and he's never really been a monster at those stats. So I don't know. I, I was watching this, watching him dominate, thinking, yes, yes, yes. But then, I don't know, I think he's limited because he doesn't get that many tackles on marks compared yeah, that, to, say, a yeah. Bond. That post-game clarity. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, so I think... tackles, like, most of the best 22 mids, or the top mids average six and a half tackles. He only averages four. So I think that's a real, like, a glaring capped it around the 110, maybe 111, 12, but can't get to 115. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, anyone that's getting 30-plus touches is always going to score pretty well, uh, yeah. especially if they're scaling on the line in the, these tight games. I think he's, he's still a good pick, um, but I'm not sure if he's... No, you know what? I think he's a good pick. I'm going to... Yeah. That's that's where I'm going to end that sentence. I, I think he's solid. Especially for the 600K. He's in that kind of same mark as... Um, for me, he's in exactly the same mark as Rosie and Brayshaw in terms of... I could see I any... Better any, than Brayshaw. Yeah. I think either, any of them could go to 115 if everything went right for them, but they also could kind of just stay at 109. All righty. So the only other Don that really... Outside of Zach Reed, who I think most of us have locked away at D8, scored 80 yeah, as so, a 123K rookie. So I don't know if much discussion needs to be had there. Um, the other Don that I guess uh, people might have potentially overlooked is Sardis, um, 85 Dream Team, 65 Supercoach, 24 Disposals. Um, probably, I'd say, locked onto a wing roll at the moment. But he's only 240K forward mid Um there's, I guess, spike game potential when you're a natural accumulator. Um, I just don't know if he's better than Billings at the same price point. I think, well, I don't know if you remember, but when Team Picker opened in December, he was one of the, he was very, very highly picked. Starters. Yeah, he was. And then he just absolutely dropped off a cliff because people weren't interested. And I, I like, as a Bombers fan, I watched him, throughout his rookie you actually watched a lot of afl games to watch him last year and he is an absolute incredible accumulator but he's one of the biggest butchers of the footy i've ever seen <laughs> one, of, one of the worst kicks right now so i can't i think his clangers and his disposal efficiency are just going to limit him in a lot of games like this game 85 fantasy versus 65 super coach probably impact probably speaks to that unless he gave away a lot of freeze or something um yeah i'd just being a rookie as well in the variance, and we've got a lot of good wingmen in, like, if Durham goes back out there or maybe they put Cox. I think Martin's not there anymore. Um, Dersmer as well. I actually thought if Sardis was playing, he'd kind of be, like, half forward flank, so I'm not really sure. I'm, I think I'm more secure in, like, Billings because of his role. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the Port game. Um Port versus Dockers. Lots of super coach intrigue. The two teams with the round 13 by playing yeah, each other. Yeah, I love these teams. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start with Port. I think um, the the major discussion point from this game was um, Butters being subbed out in mm-hmm. the opening minutes of the game, really, um, with an ankle knock. Um, did that Has that stopped you from picking him? I've... I did have him in my lock them in category and I've now put him into my premiums to consider category, which means I've cooled a little bit. Um, not even so much that, but Rosie said after the game that Butters actually did this two weeks ago and it's a bit of an ongoing thing that he re-aggravated. That made me a little bit jittery. Yeah. But Ken and Butters have both come out and said, no, nah, no, nah, I'll be right. And if it was round one, I would have just got a jab and kept playing. But also, I think... It, I think Sarong's injury last year was just a lingering ankle that kind of really slowed him down at the end of the it year. So, so it can impact people. I just still think he's a 115-plus player and one of the best midfield scorers this year. So I think I'll still start with him if he's named one one I very reactively took him out of my side. Um, I love him and I agree. I think he's 115-type guy. 
and he has huge upside, potentially one of the best in the game. He's really injury prone. I know you like, yeah, he played a lot of games last year, but he played a lot of games injured as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what he's going to do though. He's going to get injured and then he's going to play out the games injured and then have a poor score and sure, I can pick him up at some other stage, but he already got injured in the preseason game. Um, if it is an ankle, which limited Sarong, is it just mean the first couple of weeks is he's going to just be taking it a bit easy yeah. and working himself into the season? And then I can pick him up the same as last year where round eight, he just like exploded. Maybe I do that instead. Um, There's been a I few just, questions as well because they play West Coast and North in the first couple of rounds. Does he just kind of ease back into it and play a bit more forward and then kind of rest and play low game time because they're winning by 100? That's being questioned in Slack. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, I would, I mean, it's all guesswork, right? Um, yeah. At the, at this stage, um, I if I was the coach and we were winning by sixty points, I'd start playing Butters in the forward line a bit to protect him, mm. the half forward, and get players like Juan Francis and stuff through the middle or some of the younger guys. Um, it is probably going to be fine for people that want to take that risk. But given the other risks I am already taking in my side, I mean, if you, if, if we just look at a general team um, with half of these mid-prices and, and um, Fife and even in the midfield, um, people you know such as, as Parrish, LDU, there's quite a selection of injury-prone players um, that we're taking. So our risk... I guess overall, our risk profile in our sides are quite high um, this year, I think, maybe comparatively to previous years. Yeah. So I started to feel a little uncomfortable when I was looking at my midfield. At the stage, I had all of Parish, LDU and Butters and Fife. And yeah. I'm looking at it. I mean, Hayden Young has been injury prone in the past. Um, I'm not sure if he's fully over that yet, but... And Tom Stewart misses a couple games every year. I'm just looking at the side. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I want guys that are going to play every game. So I, I went specifically out of my way to start de-risking some of the spots, like choosing Dawson. Um, I think that's fair. And and so I, I actually did go butters to Dawson. That was that was my my shift to try and de-risk. Mm. Fife's been out and in and out and in. I still don't know where I'm going to land with that one. But um, I took out Parrish as well for similar reason. Um, it's it's just trying to make sure the premiums that I'm paying the 600k plus four are actually going to last me the year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's fine. I'm. Yeah, Butters is a hard one because I was so hot on him and like one of my first picked and. But there, yeah, we can't ignore those injury risks and all the playing through the slightly injury. Yeah, I. I think I'll wait to see maybe round zero scores to see if there's any. Um, yeah, well, before I finally make up my team, that yeah. might be kind of the last decision I make. Do I go him or do I go someone around his price? I'm not sure. I still want him, and I think we'll all want him at some stage. But I yeah. wouldn't blame anyone for fading just because of the the risk. Alrighty. So from the port side, there's a, a man that I know you've been quite hot on and I was quite hot on last week. Um, maybe take us through your thought process. Which man? There's a few um, men I'm hot on in this team. Okay, okay. Well, we, I was talking about Rosie. I know oh, you're yes. pretty hot on him in the chat um, yeah. at the time of the game. Um, 
And I mean, I guess you could have been, <laughs> I guess we could have been talking about wines. <laughs> uh, Houston, I'm also very hot on. Houston, I'll, okay. I'll yeah. talk about rosé because I, like, I think there's this spot on my team that's like, like I said, that 600K that's either Parish or um, rosé. And I think within 30 seconds of the port game, I'd change it to rosé. <laughs> It right. just looks so good. But no, um, statistically, I, I did put a little video, uh, in, record a little eight-minute video that I put into Slack, um, if anyone wants to watch that. But it was about some of, looking at some of Jaden Poposky's stats in terms of he quantifies whether players score their points at stoppages or in transition. I like yeah. the, the two ways to score. And generally, the people that, are regret, that regress are the players that Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today score really highly at stoppages but aren't that good in transition but that's really hard to keep up year to year um so there's guys like um sarong and Rowell and crips and stuff that are at risk of that but then he looks at players that are really good transition scorers that are going to play full-time midfield and can up their stoppage numbers um and they're the ones that he often picks as breakouts and there's been some good data on that in the last few years and Rosie was one of those ones that absolutely jumped out at me. Like, his transition scoring is incredible. Um, and his stoppage scoring is still pretty good, but I think it's even got another five to ten points on that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Rosie, I'm, I'm pretty big on. After I did that little research, I actually took Sarong out and put Rosie in um, kind of before these practice matches. And then this, the, this game where, you know, Sarong didn't do that much, although he's all right in the end. And Rosie did a lot, kind of validated that a bit for me. But it was his tackling that really made me go, oh, no, nah. like this guy is an outside scorer that can do it in transition, but he, he's in there having a crack and he's a good tackler as well. So, yeah, Connor Rosie's in my team and I don't see a single well. Actually, he's in my lock them in category. Oh, wow, that's huge. Yeah. That's um, a big call for, I guess, someone that, that wasn't a full-blown premium mid last year. Yeah, I think he's one of the ones that goes from 109 to... It might only be to the 113 to be an M8, but I think he could do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say uh, anything against it, given I had those thoughts last yeah. week. <laughs> um, all right, if we jump to wines, it's a bit hard to take away from this game um, too much, given Butters went down with injury early, but... What we can see is Wines had the most CBAs out of anybody um, and his role looks good. Everything we've been told looks true in the preseason that Wines will be a full-blown CBA mid. Um, he scored 130. He had 27 touches and a goal. 
I don't really know what more we needed to see from him. Mm. Um, even with butters, even if I drops down to 105, I would take it. It's only 460. I have had butters. Uh, sorry, not butters. I mean, <laughs> could be, but I've had wines um, for most of the preseason, and this really helped lock it in for me. Yeah, I was really keen on a team that had the three good midfield rookies on field, being like Husswaite, Sanders, and McKercher, which doesn't really leave a spot for Wines, but I feel like I'm going to have to make one for him and push Husswaite to the bench. He's just... I, I actually don't think Butters going down changed his CBAs that much. It probably like let Horn Francis and Mead and stuff yeah, get in yeah. there more. Absolutely. I think, I think Wines was going to be the big dog anyway. and I don't know. I, I don't like picking people in the 400-ish K range, but Wines and Martin, they're just doing what exactly what was advertised and why not yep yep and houston on the exact same hand mm-hmm. looks phenomenal yeah um, he did exactly what great. he did in the second half of last year and i think he's a great pick i think port just want to get it in his hands coming out of 50 or like through the middle of the ground kicking into the forward 50 yeah yeah i'm, I'm big on dan houston so people have Chosen Mead because he scored 112 and he's 199k rookie. Pal Pepper's out for the first was it three four weeks. Um, do you think Mead is a realistic option? I, I'm yeah. To be honest, I don't know much about Mead and the port rotation. I tried to kind of ask JB about this um, in Slack and like as a big port fan, and he was saying, "Oh, I, I, my vibe was that he wasn't sure either." Um, yeah. Sorry if that's wrong, JB. Uh, you can clarify in Slack. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a bit of confusion about where Mead slots in and what he does because he also had a really good, not um, this, the match sim beforehand, whoever they played. I think he was actually really good in that too. So 21 disposals and eight marks and five tackles. Like, that's all really nice. If he does play one and he looks like he's going to stay in that team, like, he's pretty expensive. I think he's nearly 200K. So you'd... I don't know. You probably want him on field for that price, but he's shown he can score. I, I, I just don't know enough about their rotation to comment on him, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I would guess that the Butters injury definitely helped Mead. Um, and Pal Pepper being out is going to help. He's probably going to have a good first couple of weeks. Um, then it's just going to be up to him to be able to stay in the side. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I will select him or not. I'm leaning in the unlikely bucket but we'll judge closer towards the season i think with that one yeah and the last one before we move on because a lot of poor players uh burgoyne had 79 dream team 67 super coach uh 20 touches only 63 percent time on ground um he had 36 dream team in the last quarter eight possessions he really looks good until about half time and then i noticed barely played in the third quarter um his time on ground dipped at one point to I think it was like 58 or 56% time on ground, um, which I asked JB at the time. And I think they're just, you know, trying things and spreading spreading some uh, time on ground for some of the other players at the moment. But um, I'm hoping in a full game, if he can get 70% time on ground, I think he's a legitimate rookie option at 179K defender playing on the wing. Yeah, I, I've had him in my team throughout various points of the preseason. I'm actually nearly thinking we might not need him now. Like if yeah. we've got Caulfield, Reed, um, Kipkis, and even Phillips, if you want, all quite a bit cheaper, we just might not need to pay up for him. 
especially for a winger that could be hot and could be cold. Could he be better than Gibkus? Oh, yeah. He could definitely score better than Gibkus in time. They're only 30k apart. Yeah. And doesn't have an early buy. Could be an option. I think I'd be more... Like, if I was picking one of them to be on field, I'd be more comfortable with Burgoyne on field, I think. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we might not need him. Also, like, Mead and Burgoyne, I guess... No, I th- sorry. I think Burgoyne is kind of locked into their team. I don't think that's an issue too much. Um, yeah. But someone like Mead could be one of those, you know, correctional trades that we have to do in round two or three to either get him in or get him out for someone that's going well. Yeah. Alrighty. I'll just um, say... I- I'll just say, yeah. uh, if Jason Horn Francis had forward status, I reckon I'd pick him. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's... I don't know if... I mean, yeah, <laughs> we don't really know what a top eight forward needs to average this yeah. year, but he's definitely going to be in that range. He might get it throughout the year. I think I just like him as well. Yeah. All righty. Um, Fremantle side... Now, Hayden Young had 114 Dream Team, 115 Supercoach, 26 disposals, two goals, three, 75% time on ground, was their leading CBA player for the day. Um, so why am I concerned? Well, I think some people are concerned because he actually had two other shots at goal that missed. So he actually had seven shots at goal and kind of just got a, just got to 115. So I think... That's why I've seen some people concerned, but I'm not. I'm I'm quite. I'm very happy with that. It's like it's the 26 disposals and the seven tackles that give me confidence. Um, so, I was watching the, the game and I was like, he's not winning enough of the ball. Mm-hmm. He had until three quarter time. Admittedly, I turned it off. Um, I missed that last quarter, but he was on 15 touches um, okay. at three quarter time. He had 11. I'm looking here. He said. Two behinds, 11 disposals, three tackles, three clearances, all in the last quarter. Um, and that's that's ramped up his score. Um, but my, I guess on a counterpoint is he can do that. Like that is a legitimate yeah. part of him being a high CBA mid for Fremantle. Like their quarters, that will happen. Um, it, it doesn't, that doesn't need to be an outlier. Um, so he's in my side and I just don't know enough about how I feel about him. Um, yet I'm going to have to like go back and forwards for the rest of the preseason and see if I want to lock him away. Um, yeah. I'm just unsure, but I don't, it didn't, it, he would, it wasn't like too negative. I think it'd be, it'd be positive. like a risky one to take on just cause it's high ownership. And I don't really like to factor in ownership when picking or not picking players, but I feel like he is one that's just cause it, like everyone has him. If he kind of yeah. if he kind of goes off and you don't, you're kind of stuck there a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. It's it is it is a bit difficult. Um, five twenty five k. It's it's a great price, but at the same time, there's no bailout um, options on that price. So yeah, where are you going to yeah. go? I guess everyone will be in the same boat, so mm. it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, Lucky Winfield after yeah. his buy. No, that's actually a really good call. Um, I'm I'm definitely more likely to start him, but I, it wasn't without concern. Um, yeah, I think so I had similar thoughts actually. At watching it, I wasn't that impressed, but then seeing the twenty six and seven, I was impressed. Tackling's so, great. Yeah. If if he tackles, the floor is going to be high, right? I wouldn't. I'd like a few more than two marks, but um, I think there's there's upside um, 
there's there's definitely more upside in that pick. Like the, realistically, this could have been like a one forty game. <laughs> yeah, if he kicked his goals and yeah, a couple more marks. So, I, I was, uh, yeah, it definitely it made me it made me more happy with this. Like it was a positive overall. Oh, you um, didn't sound like that five minutes ago. No, I just like. <laughs> I think I had question marks, and until three quarter time, I was like, oh, I don't really know. And then he exploded, and I'm like, well, I guess this is something that he's capable of doing. Yeah. So, you know, he had 20 CBAs. I think the most important thing was he had 20, Fife had 19, Sarong had 19, Brayshaw had 13. Yeah. So they, had, they, had a, they ran a really tight four, which I expected, and I just wanted Young to be in the top two. I mean, it basically was. Yeah. Um, as long as Brayshaw is the fourth person, then Young should be fine. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be Sarong and Young that are going to be the main two when we look at it at the end of the season um, in terms of CBA percentage. And I think Sarong had 29 disposals. It's a tough matchup. I, I think he's he's fine, a fine pick. Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually notice it that much, but there are a few people saying he's also getting a bit of attention from Willem Drew as well, which limited him a bit. He's yeah, he's just young, good, improving. I think there's no major concerns for me. And Brayshaw, I think, is a non-selection. Given yeah, he got pushed out. The there CBA's. are concerns there. What about Fife? I Fife has not been in my team all preseason, and he still isn't. Um, and it's mainly the injury. Like I, I'm just kind of a little bit adverse to starting these kind of Fife and Yo kind of injury players. Um, so that's my reason for not starting him. He did have. Quite a few, like he had twenty six disposals, um, but most of them are handballs, and he, yeah, and he's seventy two. Seventy, if he averages seventy two with a few spike games, it's probably enough. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I think I'm wary of injuries, and also Frio and Fife have both said we will be managing him throughout games and throughout the season, and we, he will sit quite a bit, or which makes me think he's a vest risk as well, which would just stunt any potential cash gen so yeah Fife isn't in my team and he hasn't been and I don't think he will be so Fife last week had 20 touches in the first half mm-hmm. I think it was um, and had a huge super coach game um, I think he had like a 75 point first half um, and then this week I think it was 16 touches in the first half and another good super coach score but then he just he couldn't he couldn't do much. The problem, the problem is very similar to Dow. If we go back to Richmond, is that mm-hmm. he just handballs and doesn't yeah. do anything else. Well, um, at least it's super great. You you get extra points for like a contested possession. Like if you're picking it up when someone else is trying to pick it up, you get points for that just for the action. Um, so or like a contested knock on or stuff, he'll get points for that. But well, would you pick Dow if he was in the forward line? Yes. Because yeah, it it's kind of similar. They're not that far from price. They're 30K apart. No, I think their scoring and everything's very similar, but it's the injury risk and the sub risk installing the cash gen risk that scares me off of Fife. It's not his scoring. I'd like, I think he'll score plenty. I just think he could be yeah. subbed out at half time when they're getting beaten by 80, which could happen as well. Uh, he's been in and out of my team today and back in. Yeah. So I, I'm all over the place with the five pick. I find it really hard to judge how much risk I want to take on. Do I want to take on Fife, a Brownlow medalist that was playing? He got forward status because they tried to protect his body, and now they've gone like, nah, we're just going to full-time midfield him. Like That's yeah. pretty rare. I feel like the upside is right there. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he scored like a 125. Um, yeah, he just could do that. Just had like a monster game. But then again, I also wouldn't be surprised if he scored like 45. Yeah. I, um, so it's very difficult. <laughs> and I know a lot of people say like don't trade. Like if, if you're against starting someone because they're an injurious, definitely don't trade them in because that just compounds it. But if Fife is there sitting there with a not, like a negative three back even because he's gone 125, I'll just buy him and hope he makes me some cash. <laughs> yeah, I find it I find it hard to judge. I think I'm leaning towards starting him, and then if yep. he's bad, I'll go down to one of the rookies. But I, I we could be having this conversation in an hour, and he's out of my team again. <laughs> well, I guess so. he's one of the more expensive of like say the him or the Jordan or the Billings. Yes. So yes. you could start him, and if he fails, it's a pretty easy pivot to one of them as well. Luke Ryan still is going under the radar. Yeah. Just another 116 in the back line. Like, I, t- I talked him down a little bit in our podcast two weeks ago, but I, I'm happy to retract that. He looks fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had seven kick-ins for the game. Jordan Clark had four. I expect that ratio to continue. Uh, he just does... It's, he just does the bright things to score super coach points every game. Um, he's probably a better pick than I don't know. If it, it just feel, it's like such an unsexy pick to pay six hundred and eleven k for Luke Ryan. Yeah, I think he's just kind of just where he is. I I do think he's got a bit of fluctuation in him, and then that he could go down to like five sixty at some stage, and you can get him cheaper like he did last year. Yeah, um, but also then he could go up, but. Only four marks for Luke Ryan, which is actually quite low, so he could have even been bigger. He could have. He absolutely could have been bigger. Alrighty. Um, anyone else in that game, or should we move on? Not many left now. Uh, just Jeremy Sharp, I think. Um, oh, yes, yes. Very popular rookie cash cow. Got stuck on a wing. Well, he's always going to be on a wing. But we know that wingers can be very up and down and hot and cold with their scoring. I actually, I think I stopped watching this at also at three-quarter time, um, and I had barely seen Sharp. I think he was on like 20 Supercoach at three-quarter time and I was ready to throw him in the bin. Then I think he had like a 30-point Supercoach last quarter. and Kicked a goal. Kicked a goal and kind of saved his score, which is good that he can do that. Um, I I would like to not need to pick him, I think, and I probably don't need to because I think there's going to be some good options. But I think he's got jobs, although there are still a couple of guys to come back in. Yeah, I'm not sure where I sit with Jeremy, and I think there's probably better option. Yeah. All right. No, I'm with you. All right, we'll jump into the Adelaide versus West Coast game. Um, I'm not exactly sure why I decided to torture myself and watch this whole thing. Oh, I'm glad um, you did because I got sick of it and turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I really like the Crows. so I, They have a lot of options I'm interested in. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a watch. Um, the biggest thing for me is it's so hard to read against West Coast yep. because they're so bad. Like, I know the scoreboard was 10 goals, but honestly, it could have been six goals in the first five minutes and just completely game over. Yep. Um, they, they, Crows put their foot off the brakes. I mean, oh, no, West Coast, it's just terrible watching. I, I almost I looked at it, and at a stage I took out Harley Reid because I was like, I don't want to have to sit through West mm. Coast games, and then I realized I'm going to have to watch my players that play against West Coast. Um, so I, I may as well pick Reed again. But um, look, there's not many options on the West Coast side. 
Again, Yo was good, but not so good that it requires a selection. I mean, I love Yo. 96 points, 16 disposals. The roll is correct. Nine tackles um, is nice. No, he looks good, and the mm-hmm. role is correct. The problem is West Coast are so bad yeah. that it's not it's not West Coast of five years ago, um, you know, where they're competitive. And I just feel like all of the scoring is completely limited by their inability to win more than fourteen hundred points of the Super Coach Pie. Yeah, uh, it's it's dire, um, and it makes me not want to select them. And I don't think I can pick Yo because of that. I I could be convinced not to put. Pick Harley Reid. His role was much better this week than last week. He was mostly, I guess, CBAs and then standing off halfback. Yeah. Um, you know, he scored 88. I, I think he's not as good as our last n- couple number one picks in terms of super coach scoring potential. No. Um, he's probably going to average 65-70, um, and he will have some really bad games, but he's got forward status. So I, I honestly don't think he's a must-select. Um, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I've I've got him in, and I think he'll stay in my team. But at two hundred k, like I could, if I needed fifty k, I could take him down to someone else and not be too worried about it. I just, yeah, I really enjoyed what he did in this game. Like there are a lot of those kind of wall look at that guy glimpses. Yes, that's um, true. Which aren't necessarily super coach scoring glimpses, but I feel like I just want to own him just for that ride and. You know, so five years later, I can go. Oh, I remember when Harley Reid was in my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I don't select him, I have no reason to watch West Coast games, which yeah. is which is honestly very appealing. Um, at this yeah. Point. The the funniest part of the game was Livingston um, being subbed into the game, and I'm like, oh my god, our R three yeah. Livingston might get a chance, and he came in and he gave away a free, and he lost a hit out, and he ended the day with minus four super coach and got subbed out immediately. He's going to go on. down from 102k, which is not possible. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was pretty comical. But yeah. honestly, stay away from West Coast players in drafting everything. There's just yeah, I I was not good. There's been a few drafts I've been keen on Duggan and Witherden just because I think it'll be back there a lot, and I thought they'd be chipping it around, but even they didn't look good. No, they couldn't. It's it was. Disastrous, and Adelaide are the highest scoring fantasy team as well mm-hmm. um, in in general. So there was a huge disparity. There was like four hundred and fifty points difference between Adelaide yep. and West Coast, which is monster in a preseason game. Um, I think the key takeaways, and there's quite a few. Adelaide is um, Rankin is the is the fourth mid with yeah. Laird and Laird and Dawson and Crouch. Are you buying um, Isaac Rankin shares? I think he's a real deal. I don't think I'm yeah. starting him because he's still 460k, so he's not cheap. Um, but he he's legit. Um, he he scored 109 Dream Team, 138 Super Coach in 59% time on ground. Would you? Uh, do you think he'll be kind of that top six forward? We don't know what they'll average, but let's say it's like 95. I think out of all of the options that are not. I think he's probably as good of a chance as Flanders and probably better than all the others around that price point. Yep. Even more than that price point. I, I think he's just the best chance. Yeah. I think because I didn't watch this game, I didn't quite get the the rank and infatuation, but I know a lot of people are, so awesome. It's, it's just the midfield time. Like, I know he kicked four goals, so I'm trying to, like, not let that impact the score, but he played 59% time on ground. Um, and when you're playing in the midfield... 
your your floor is generally increased. And he yeah. he got while he was on field, he got half the CBA. So he he's a fifty percent CBA mid now, going from a from an eight percent CBA mid. Yeah, that's so. Good. We're talking about someone that's significantly going to raise his floor. Um, I, I'm quite confident, quite or at least quietly confident. Um, that is going to be a top six forward. But that being said, the price isn't kind enough that it demands you having to jump on at the beginning of the season. I feel like you just wait for a stinker. So he's going to be tagged. Um, if I was looking at a midfield night to choose someone to tag, it's probably going to be him because Dawson just goes forward and kicks bags anyway. Um, and Rankin, you can probably put on like a Hardwick type or something like that. Um, yeah, he, he's really good. Um, I don't need to keep going on about him. Um, From what you yeah. told me, I feel like if he's 400k and you think he could average 95, sh- shouldn't you start he's him? 460. Now? Yeah, so but shouldn't you start him if you think you're going to average 95? 460 though. That's mm. not that cheap. That's only about 40k underpriced. 40, 50k. That's that's not enough value. Yeah, okay. So you reckon we'll be able um, to buy him at 500k later in the year? I'll probably be able to buy him at 460. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, after a stinker, he probably goes back down to that range. But I definitely, if you want to start him, I, I wouldn't be talking you out of him if you just wanted to plonk, plonk away a premium. Um, that would be acceptable. I think it's better than Baker that people were picking in that same spot. All right. My main takeaway from this game is that I'm going to be captaining every single Ruckman that comes up against West Coast. Yep. Riley uh, O'Brien. He yeah. was enormous. He was, and he, he is a flat-track bully. Like, uh, in my captain articles last year, I often recommend him as, like, a little bit of a pod captain when he came up against a team with a poor ruckman. He can do this. Yeah. Um, but it kind of just indicates that they are, yeah, whoever's gonna, whoever's playing um, West Coast ruckman are going to go well, and English plays them really early. Grundy plays them really early. I think Soldo also has them early, so there could be some big scores in there. Um, all right. Well, we've got to talk about this midfield. Um, well, this is my that's... other takeaway because I have, I'm even more confused about their midfield than I was coming into the game. So the one thing that is for certain is Dawson's the number one guy. Okay. He, he was essentially every time he was on the field, he was in the CBA. Yeah, and he didn't miss any when he was on the field. So he's absolutely the number one guy, no questions asked. 29 disposals and 66% time on ground. I know his super coach was poor because he gave away some um, early possessions, so he's, he had bad scaling when the mm-hmm. game was on the line. Um, but he did absolutely nothing that prevented me from picking him, and I was very happy that I shifted brothers to him after this game because he just looks unbelievable. Okay. Um, then the question marks start coming after that because Laird was good without being sensational. He was just fine. Yeah. Um, there was only one play. I know in the week they're like, oh, Laird might start up forward. There was one play in the entire day that he actually was ahead of the ball. Every other time he was just in the midfield. So I don't really know why they wanted to make that comment. They didn't even try it in yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that may have just even been circumstance. Um, it's it's not a thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we're going to get the 120 average from Laird just because they, we have to see Rankin's getting 50% CBAs because he adds something different. Crouch is just too much of an accumulator and he was he went at 100% efficiency. Right, that's not he sustainable. Went, 
He had 59% time on ground, 59%, and he got 23 touches. Like, he's an absolute pig. 114 supercoach in 59% game time. He's an absolute supercoach pig, and look, his role was good, but he was playing midfield bench. Mm-hmm. Like, it was literally, I'm either in the CBAs, racking it up, no matter where I am, or I'm straight to the bench. And that were the two roles. And you could totally pick him if he's going to go back to like a 70, 80% time on ground player. But I'm kind of worried <laughs> because why did they need to necessarily limit his game time against... The Eagles. I mean, Dawson had 66%. Rankin had 59%. There was, it wasn't like Crouch was the, the sole person being limited. Like they, it, it was very confusing how they wanted to shift around their midfield mix. And I still am not 100% clear what that looks like in round one because Barry dominated. He was so good. And he... Remember that rookie year he came out and he was just a tackling machine and he scored all his Clinton tackles and yeah. then they were talking him up about how he's now also became an accumulator but then they played him in the sample all year. Well, I feel like he did both in this game. He was tackling and accumulating and he looked great. He's, I just, he I just awesome. don't understand their midfield. So I guess my concern um, is that I don't think Barry was meant to... I think that I think this was a product of how well he was playing. I don't think this was like a pre-game role yeah. that he was meant to get this much midfield time. Um, he just was really, really good early on, and I think it was just like a, a flow-on effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually looking at the quarter-by-quarter quarter CBA breakdown. In quarter one, Barry had one CBA, and at quarter two, he had one CBA, and then he had six in quarter three and three in quarter four. And I think that's pretty much at halftime he was best on ground. Well, yeah. Riley O'Brien was, but but everyone was talking about Barry. Um, and I think they just rolled with it. They were like, let's just see what he can do because he, he was playing incredibly well, like fending off people, bursting through packs, kicking goals. He was great. <laughs> and my greater concern after watching this game is you can't leave Barry out of the team after this performance. <laughs> Like right. you absolutely cannot. This, this muddies the waters. So if I went into round one or as a, a crow support and I thought, okay, Barry's not, you know, we got Crouch, it's fine. Um, Saligo's still good. We just don't necessarily need to play Barry. He might be uh, a sub or just, you know, in case someone else has get injured. I, I've watched this game and thought, no, he needs to be playing AFL football. Um, in which case, how does that leave... The side because I don't really want to play him off the half forward flank when he's got this super ceiling capabilities. Yeah, that comment makes me want to avoid all Crows midfielders, even including Dawson, just until I am very certain of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm just very confident watching the game that Dawson's the number one guy and he's not ever getting shuffled by anybody. It's a mix, it's going to be a mixture of Crouch and Laird and Rankin, I guess. Um, and to an extent, anyone else they use like Pedler. Um, Pedler was was not very good. He was quite mm-hmm. bad. Um, I don't think he's going to get given any CBAs anymore. I think all those will be snapped up by Barry. Um, and Saligo came on as a sub and got 13 touches in under half a game. So he was also very good. I, I just think 
I have been very high on Matt Crouch, to no one's surprise. We mentioned in the December, every podcast. Um, And I actually took him out, despite scoring 114 Supercoach, because Barry was so good. And I think there's a genuine risk that if Crouch has one bad game and Barry happens to have a good game, Crouch could be out. Yeah, I can see that. And Barry might be the third guy in the midfield from now on. This could be the Barry breakout season. And um, I've I've heard quite a few people like putting Crouch, Wines, Martin, and Amon in the same kind of basket and saying like pick two of them is kind of like what a lot of people are saying. So and I think yeah. Crouch isn't in the best two of those options. Yeah, that's exactly how I've structured my side at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, the thing is, Crouch could also just do really well because his he didn't put a hundred percent efficiency. It's not like Crouch had a bad game. Mm, um, no, he was good. I mean, he he could also do one tens and be fine for the first six weeks. It's just the risk for me is that Barry demands to be selected. Um, could you, was that, could you pick was Sam Barry in your super coach team? He's only two hundred and twenty k. Yeah, could you do um, it? I think you 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 absolutely could. But hmm. again, you're not going to play West Coast every week, so can you do it? If I, if he had around zero and I could watch him, I'd feel so much more comfortable. But um, I think. It could be a McKercher or a Reed bailout if they start poorly, or and he starts incredibly hot. Um, yeah, it could be a, a correctional kind of action. I like comparing him to Thompson Dow. I think is pretty similar in terms of yeah, like Dow has the better role and the more confirmed role, but I think Barry's a much better super coach scorer. So I mean, yeah, this is exciting for Crows fans watching Barry. Yeah. He's a gun, and I think we thought we we liked him in his rookie year and thought this guy's great. But then he got relegated. But yeah, I I, I don't want to start him, and and a part of that is because I don't really need a two hundred k midfielder when I think there's three great rookies and a lot of other underpriced mids. Yeah. So I just don't need to even entertain it. But yeah, if he doesn't, if he starts well and Sanders doesn't for some reason, then it could be an easy switch or something. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, it's it was an interesting game. The only the only real huge no no was Hinge looked dreadful, and I would be staying far far away from Hinge. Yeah, I did, I talked him up in the off season, and I'm I'm not going to retract it yet. He did have 18 disposals. He got a bit no, of it, it but was, he it butchered was it incredibly bad. <laughs> yeah. It was not like a, he may have racked it up at the end of the game, but it, it was. Um, it was it was a dismal performance. So if if okay. you were watching the game, you're like, nah, this is we're picking Failed him for a test. breakout. Well, you just pick it. He had he he got all of his touches in one quarter, and the third quarter he had ten. Yeah, right. so he pretty much had no touches for the rest of the game. Um, Are there any cash cows from Adelaide we can look at? I, I don't know if there are. I don't think there's any relevant super coach relevance um, yep. outside of those players. All right, nighttime game. We're nearly there. Hawks versus dogs. Um, I also got to watch this one. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you managed to watch your boy and you can play. I did. And <laughs> I loved what you I took saw. Him out. <laughs> he gave me the Darcy Parish feels in that he absolutely, oh, yeah? he absolutely accumulated, but he barely got any tackles. And I was just, he, he actually picked it up in the third quarter and got a lot of marks. He ended up with nine marks, which is actually quite huge for him. Um, but, like, three tackles for Newcomb just doesn't do it for me. But the 37 disposals absolutely does, 125 super coach. Um, 
he was also having a couple of shots at goal. I, I, I'm a little bit conflicted because I think for, for my team, it's him or Took um, is kind of the spot I'm weighing him up at. And he doesn't have the buy, whereas Took does, so that gives him the nod. But, like, Took's done 110 plus before Newcomb hasn't. I am not sure where I've landed yet. It, maybe it depends on Took's round zero score. I'm not sure. And as someone who's done a lot of research into Newcomb, mm-hmm. tell me who he had one outlier 170 plus game by far the most in his career, and who did they play? The Bulldogs. He loves playing them. <laughs> he just loves the Bulldogs. Yeah. So um, I I don't think 37 disposals is necessarily going to continue, but I could see him getting like high 20s every week. The marks are a little bit up. It's the tackles that just keep really annoying me because he came in the league as an incredible tackler. He yeah. broke the record for tackles in his debut game. And since yeah. then, he's just dropped off so much in, t- in the tackle department. And you probably will do that when you're going to hunt the footy more. But, yeah, it's exactly. I think it's exactly the same averages as Parrish, where I said um, the best midfielders, like the top eight midfielders, average six and a half tackles a game. Newcomb only averages 4.3, which is just crazy considering that's what he came into the league as. That so, is nuts. So, yeah. Like I said, Newcomb gave me the parish feels. Like I love the disposals, and I love what you did with it. But just go tackle someone, please, and then I'll yeah. pick you. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, watching Newcomb and Took this week, um, I think Took just had a. I, f- I feel a lot better with that performance. I think we've, um, we've because we've seen Took do it before. There's a bit of like, yeah, um, reinforced love there. Um, we've seen him do it before, and and he looked to the eye like he was doing what he's done in the past. We've never seen Newcomb be a hundred and ten scorer. I still think he could pretty close to get there, but yeah, it's the tackles. It's just not just limiting him a bit, I think. But it could so, come. So Hawks are an interesting side because yeah. they seem to be competitive until the opponent puts a couple of goals on in the row and then they just fall to pieces and they did that a lot last year where yep. they were like until you know they'll goal for goal with their side and then the, the opponent would put on three in a row and then that three in a row became ten in a row mm. um, and they did it again um, against the Bulldogs here but it just it really limits that super coach pie um, in general and it makes me worried about any of their major selections I think um, everyone from Eamon, I don't think he's going to go 105 plus. I think he's more likely in that 95 to 100 range. Yeah, I'm happy and to book say that. A defender, uh, he's just he doesn't quite do enough. Um, he to didn't get into that next he, range. He had a nice like half back distributing role, but it wasn't the proper like Dacos Martin totally no. free and do what you want role. No, it's um, just normal half back like Jaden Short, but worse. Yeah, because you have other players down there like Sicily. Um, he did only, thought, so he did only have four marks, which in a half-back role could go up and could get boost his score a bit. Um, but also 24 kicks is massive. I don't see him sustaining that. No. I, it's just and he still scored 90, 96. Yeah. Um, I don't think the upside for 105 particularly is there. Mm. Um, Connor McDonald was really good, um, but I don't think he's going to be a top six forward, but it's a good eye test. Same as McKenzie. Um Looked really good in the eye test, but at 285k as a forward, I don't think, I don't think he's going to match, you know, Fife and, and James Jordan's output. So it's a pass. Um, D'Ambrosio was okay without being extremely good. Yeah, um, he's, he's nice and cheap. So a 77 could kind of get it done each week, but also he's kind of 
he was on that wing and then also thrown around a bit. Like, yeah. he, he's not a halfback flanker because Amon is. No. <laughs> Amon and Hippie were there. He should there. make 100k. Yeah. I just... If you... Like, I'm kind of viewing him as... I want Zach Williams in my team because I think he's got good upside. But if Zach Williams is a no-go, I, I could pivot to D'Ambrosio. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can do that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't talk anyone off it. I think it's just an, it's an okay pick. Um, Hustleweight looks amazing. Yeah, I think everyone should lock this guy in. I think he, he's even really good. like he's really benefiting from no Will Day, getting a lot of those CBAs. But I think when Day comes yeah. back, from what I've heard from Hawks, Fans, they are big on this guy even when Day comes back. Well, Warple was playing half forward when Hustleweight was in the midfield. Yeah. And that's a much better decision because Hustleweight can hit a target and yeah. Warple can't. <laughs> so if I was a Hawks supporter or coach, that's that's the move that I would make there. Um, Sicily had to play quite deep. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is matchup dependent. And they were trying to play in a style in which would frame up. And they did play Ethan Phillips and they did play Frost. But they just came came under so a barrage of attack. I think dogs were two goals twelve at a point, yeah. um, and even with that ball coming down, uh, Sicily couldn't intercept. And I don't know. It, it just feels like he scored fifty two. It's it's all, enough of a warning sign that hey, maybe we should just back off a bit, see where the chips fall, and pick him up for a bit cheaper during the season. I don't think we're... Yeah. I'd be surprised if he's coming out with back-to-back 160s. Sicily's um, prone to dropping to like 550, and I'll just happily get him then, I think. I think I think we're all on that same boat there. Um, so Ethan Phillips, 102k defender. I think he was, he was his first game, and I thought he was fine. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, he scored 56. He had 10 touches. Um, when you're picking a 102k defender and people are choosing between like him and Howes and Toby Pink, I just get the cheapest guy. I yep. mean, I think they have to play him. They don't yeah. really have any choices. I I think Hawks have to play him. I don't know if I have to play him. Like yes, I think I have right. enough defender rookies. Um, yep. If I like really need the 20k to I don't know make something magical happen, I could take Caulfield or or Reed down to him, kind of. With no issues, if he was staying on the bench. Yep. Um, but I, I, I don't know if we need him. But you could select him. That's fine. If you're picking four rookies, you're I think I'd be deep. choosing. <laughs> I think I'd be choosing. Yeah, Gipkis, Caulfield, Reed, and Phillips. Um, yeah. As my four. That, that means you've got to field two of those, which gives me the ick. <laughs> I know <laughs> that early buy four of the six. Please be my savior. <laughs> um, so Watson. The uh, magician for Hawks, 189k forward rookie, yeah. um, didn't do enough. He's no. just a small forward. I think it's, him and like we're going to probably see with Dursma today. Uh, we're recording this kind of as the Kangaroos game's going, so we don't actually know what's happening. But um, yeah. yeah, I think him and Dursma are just kind of those small forwards that aren't really going to get enough disposals yeah. or to make any money. I think before we go into Bulldogs, one comment: I potentially you're potentially a little bit harsh on Cam McKenzie. Like, yep. I think 271k forward, he could be that option in kind of that 5-4 billings or harms if you liked. I'm not going to do it because he was never, like, on my radar before this game, and I kind of don't really want to put anyone in that hasn't been on my radar. But actually in this game, like, eye test-wise, I actually thought he was better than harms and he was better than Fife in their game. I, like, he was everywhere. He was in the back line. He was, he was in the great. forward line. I, I'm not going to pick him purely based on my rule of if I wasn't weren't considering you before you you before this game. 
but there were quite a few people quite excited and were already keen on him. So I'm not going to say don't select him because I think he could make you a bit of money. But the Hawks also have so many midfielders like, and so many good young talent. Like, where are they all going to kind of fit in? And will it be like Josh Ward dominates one game and then Cam McKenzie does the other one and then Connor McDonald does another? That's exactly what I think will happen. <laughs> yeah, it could. Yeah, it's, I mean, even when Day comes back and he sometimes gets ro- rotated to the back line, yeah. um, everything kind of goes everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so, so I for Hawthorne, I only feel comfortable if you're a premium or you're a cheap rookie. It's hard to pick a mid-pricer because even paying 180k for McKenzie last year, he had almost back-to-back tons to start the year. And they put him on a wing and he was yeah. scoring 30s and 40s. Like He's a very good player and he's going to be very yeah. good, but so was so six of their guys. Um, yep. Before we go to Bulldogs, I want to get your thoughts on Joe Newcomb because you know I've talked him up a lot, and you've kind of you've been my my thought of you. You've been like, oh, I want this guy to go good, but I just don't quite see it. Is that still where you are, or were you yeah, convinced I mean, in this one? No, I I watch all the Hawks games as my wife's a Hawthorne supporter, um, and I just I don't think he has all the tools yet to go a hundred and ten plus. Yep. I feel like he's in that 105 to 110 range. Yep. Um, I want him to do really well and like take his game to the next level, but he's not... I mean, this one, he had a lot of the ball, but then he said that the tackles weren't there. Um, I just don't think he's really an accumulator type. He do, I don't think he's got that in him. I think he's more of a Jack Steele type. He's not an accumulator either. Um, and I know Jack Steele's had some really good yeah, um, scores, but it's on the back of the tackles. Yeah. So yep. if, if Newcomb... It, you're, it's actually hilarious what you said in that he came to the league as this tackle beast, but then he hasn't averaged a lot since. Yeah. Um, if he can find that again, and then absolutely all on board, but I, I, I just doubt that that's going to be right now. And at five forty-five k, I feel like you'll just buy him if if it if he does become yeah. that tackle beast. Yeah, potentially a bit like Sarong last year. Like we didn't start with him, but then when we saw him. Going really, really on. well, we jumped on. Although I guess the issue with not starting is that like you're not prioritizing those guys often. You'll be prioritizing like a merit yeah, that's dropped or a Sicily that's dropped and you might miss them. Um, but yeah, it's really hard to be a twenty eight disposal and seven tackle guy and like yeah. Steel and Took and stuff have done it in the past, whereas that's kinda of what Joy needs to do and I don't know. I reckon it's in him at some stage. I just, I was quite, yeah, I was ready to see even six tackles this game would have made me a bit hotter. Ironically, a guy that pretty much does that is on the other team in Liberatore. Yes. Um, I mean, Liber looks fantastic. He's <laughs> he's just there, grunt. He's in, he gets the ball, he hunts it, he handballs it out, out to Bont or to Trelaw for the kick most of the time. And there were so many just direct English to Liber clearances. Yes. Um, yes. It was absurd. I mean... I watched the game and I'm like, how's Libba not in my side? Hmm. Um, and then I went and looked at his stats and Libba's stats are incredibly impressive. I mean, he, after round 10 last year, he averaged 126 if you include the Jeez. the knock. Yeah. Um, and I, it didn't change that much all the way up to round eight. I just stopped going back. Um, but he is probably five points underpriced and he could be 10 points underpriced. And I know he's 30-year-old and it's hard to think like these 30-year-olds have that breakout because he did it last year and I'm like, could he actually go better? Um, 
and I know it was against Hawthorne, so it's a bit hard to 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 judge. But looking, watching him, I'm like, oh my god, this guy's a good footballer. Like, Liber is a ridiculous footballer, um, truly, like phenomenal. And then you have that one-two punch with Bontempelli, and I don't understand how Bulldogs didn't make finals. What is Bevo doing? The, my thoughts on Liver are, um, like, 30 disposals amazing, seven tackles amazing, one mark, and, a, like, he doesn't score in the outside. Yeah. Um, like I was talking about before, the little video I did on Jaden Poposki's stats, um, you know, stoppage scoring versus transition scoring. Liver was, like, the poster child of insane stoppage scoring and horrible transition scoring. Yeah. Um, and that pretty much always, like, 18, 17 out of 18 players in the last two years that have been in his kind of profile have regressed from a fantasy point of view. And like Jaden only has these numbers from a, from a fantasy or dream team kind of scoring. So I've actually got Peg Liver, Liver as someone that's pegged to regress quite a bit in fantasy. Um, but in Supercoach, because you get so many extra points for like the contested stuff and the, you know, picking the ball up off the ground and tapping it on and you get... It's really easier to score super coach stoppage points, I think, when you're contested beats. Yeah. So, so maybe he actually does stay where he is or even go up a little bit just because of the super coach scoring system. I think he's a, yeah. I, I don't want to start him because of that research, and I think he, I definitely think he's going to regress in fantasy. Um, but I mean, if he regresses in fantasy, you're kind of predicting a regression in super coach as well. Yeah, I guess. Or that, yeah, it's just the scoring format difference that could actually just keep him up there. I, I do think Liver potentially goes backwards in Supercoach. I don't know if that's hot take or not. Um, it's hard to I mean, say that after seeing this game, though. I mean, I he I think the first time I saw him was in JB's opening team, and I was like, oh, that's a weird selection. And then mm-hmm. I thought about it, and I was like, oh, it's actually, that's pretty good. But I didn't, I stopped. Like, I never... I never was like, okay, well, he's going to be any sort of value and, you know, if he could keep it up or not keep it up. Because yeah. um, I'm thinking this 30-year-old guy, like surely he's not getting better again on top of his previous unbelievable year. Yeah. But he, he smashed the eye test. Like he was so incredibly good. And then I went and it made me go and look at his scores from last season. So I'm like, yeah. how? I'm like, that guy... That guy can play football. Let me go check his scores. And then I look, went to his back end of the year. It was 124 in the last round. He missed a game because he got injured and then the injury program. So I'm still reading backwards. And then he went 159, 133, 126, 149. Then 75 against Collingwood where we tagged him or put some pressure on him. And then 121, 115, 139, 122. I'm like, that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't realize they were that monstrous. <laughs> that... The ceiling and consistency. Mm. So, yeah, after this game, I'm not going to talk anyone out of starting him. I don't want to because I, I this, just statistically, I think history shows there could be a regression. But, yeah. yeah he I could t- be, I he could be in those three point. out of 20. Yeah, he could <laughs> be. Yeah, there, there um, are always some outliers. It, it, was, it was actually ridiculous how, how well he was playing. I, yeah. I thought I was like, I don't, know, I don't understand this guy's on another level of football. Um, yeah. And then... Bontempelli was slow. He was on 42 at half time, and I didn't think he looked that good, really. Well, you know when you're saying that Hawks like stay with a team and then just a yep. few goals leads to an avalanche? Like, Bont did all that. He absolutely yep. triggered that, and he was the reason. And his super, I don't know what his third quarter super coach would have been, but it would have been huge. 
He <coughs> scored in the second half 93 points. Yeah. In a, in the half. So he finished with 135. And then I was like, oh right, that's why I'm selecting Bond. That that's the reason right there. Like he just he took the game to another level, even though it's a practice mm. match. You're like, okay, Bond, you don't need to do this, but he did it anyway. Um he just put them to the sword by himself. Um, he lifted the whole team on his shoulders and it's like, all right, I got you guys and just won them the game. Um, it was a joke. And it's funny seeing Bont, English and Libba. They scored 134, 135 and 136. Um, and all of them look phenomenal. English yeah. looked so good and there wasn't really that split with lob that everyone was talking about. Like Libba, uh, English looked like English from last year. Yeah. All these guys are incredible. <laughs> yeah, they are. And like English had a... He was matched up with Reeves, who's generally a pretty hard ruckman to win hitouts against. Like Reeves is quite good in the hitouts, um, and Reeves did win more hitouts than English, so like he still scored that, which he does all the time. Like hitout hitouts aren't really English's main weapon. Um, yeah. yeah. So even against Reeves, they would do a one thirty four. I've got a question. If you had, I think I've seen your team, so I know the answer. But if you had a choice of like starting Bont or starting English, which way are you going? I mean, look, I, I have Bont at the moment and I'm very happy with having Bont. Yeah. Um, but English did his chances no harm and Grundy, if he puts out a poor round zero and I'm going to have to take a loss on either in terms of cash value on either Bont or, or English. Um, if, if Grundy scores a stinker, and I don't like what I see, I think I'm just going to go with English. Yep. I'm also considering it as well. He, he, English is phenomenal. I mean, it's just crazy that you, you don't see Ruckman do what he does. Like, they're kicking it. They're having like an exit from the 50 and they're trying to like go up the middle and they're trying to do pinpoint. And you just see English like running through the center circle leading up as like a short hit-up target. And then they use him in the chain. And instead of handballing it, it, he kicks it. I'm like, why is this Rackman kicking the football? (laughs) They're not handballing it to somebody. I'm like, he's just involved in all their chains. Like he's he's another player, like another runner on the field. But it's like watching Grundy when he was getting 20 touches every game. Yeah. and English missed two goals that were like 30 metres out um, that he could have converted. So this was a 150-plus game. Yeah, Gone I, 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 I will want him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just so good. It's it's actually quite ridiculous. I think all three are viable. It's insane. And they all have around 15 by, which is good. Um, there's quite a few players I need to discuss from this game. Yeah. One of them that we don't need to discuss is Sanders. Um, he yeah. is a jet as much as a jet. Last time I said, if you haven't watched him play, you don't realize how much of a jet this guy is. And he had 30 possessions. <laughs> he's, he's so good. <laughs> and I think he had most of them in the first and the fourth. Like, I think he actually had quite a quiet patch in the middle and still yeah, managed yeah. 30. I, um, he's so yeah, good. I think I've, I've tongue in cheek said a few times that like Sanders and McKercher, these Tassie boys are going to be so good for the Tassie team in 2028. I mean, Sanders did barely did. He didn't even get that many CBAs, and he still got thirty. So yeah. think about that for a second. <laughs> um, uh, it, like it, it's if I actually I'm checking his CBAs right now. He had five. Could you? I didn't actually see the CBA stats for the Bulldogs. I'd be interested in what they were. 
Yeah, so Libba had 26, Trelaw had 24, English had 23, Bont had 20, Harms had 9, Lobb had 7, yep. and Sanders had 5. All right. So, yeah, it's, it's still the big four, really. It's it's still the big, big ones. Um, Libba had 13 clearances. <laughs> It was it was ridiculous, um, but Sanders doesn't. He's not a CBA. He's not like a pure CBA mid, and he still gets thirty touches. Like he's the absolute ball magnet, just a gun. Yeah. Don't even think about it. Lock him in. Yeah. Harms, I was. I know he scored seventy four, and he had seventeen touches and a goal. I was a little bit disappointed. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to see more. I think I was also disappointed. I test wise, yeah, but I don't really know why. Because 17 touches, three marks, five tackles, and a goal. That's very good. Um, th- and at only 200 think, and something K. Yeah. I mean, look, Hawks are meant to be an easier team. Um, there was a lot of really high scores in this game on the Supercoach side, on the yep. dog side. Um, and he managed to avoid being one of them. It's just. I don't think he was super impressive. He, he had one possession in the third quarter. Um, and then like five in the last when the game was over. Um, I still like him as a pick, and I think he makes his money. But I just question if you know if you if you save a hundred k and you were to get Loman or Dempsey or someone, could you still make one hundred and fifty k from them as well? And yeah. then you've had that hundred k to invest in your starting team elsewhere. I think that's not a bad idea. I, I, Harms has been in my team all preseason because I like what he did in. At Melbourne, and I thought he was going to come across as like one of their big kind of defensive mids. But yeah, when you can probably get a similar price from, and I, I actually like haven't been watching the Saints game, but it looks like um, Darcy Wilson is going crazy. So like he could even be an option or something like that. Um, yeah, there could be a rookie that does nearly just as well for cheaper. Yeah, although he he does have like the job security and kind of the floor I think that a lot of rookies don't have yeah I don't know it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth mm. I think um, I think I'm I'll have to strongly review where I sit on that one um, yeah but anyway if we look at another player 160k forward uh, McNeil so McNeil kicked four goals from 12 touches roughly in the first um, scratch match yeah um, and was very good and then in this first half he played as an offensive winger, starting on the wing, running forward, and I think it was on 62 at halftime or something. He, he was incredible. Like, McNeil passed all of the eye tests. Um, but they subbed Caleb Daniel on, who went to the wing, and McNeil went to forward pocket and barely touched it after that. Um, he yeah. had, like, four disposals after that, something like, like that. So uh, he, he finished on 98, which obviously sounds really good, but... My concern is if Daniel's in the best 22, does McNeil just a forward pocket? And then that's not good. Really need Daniel not to be named, I think, for the McNeil pick to work. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I want the McNeil pick to work because he was incredible yesterday. Well, for the first yeah. half of the game. I loved him. He was him. so good. Um, and the 160K being able to kind of, I don't know if you'd be comfortable with him on field. You might be. Um, yeah, I I'd like, yeah, you probably just got to wait to see what, what they do with Daniel. I think um, Caulfield didn't really do too much wrong. He scored 51. Um, I think we're probably getting a 50-60 sort of guy. I, I, um, I actually was quite disappointed with him in general. I think he junked it up in the last to even get there. Um, 
I just wasn't really seeing him getting around and getting the marks. But he, but I'm also not too worried because he has huge scoring pedigree from when he was at the Saints. Like, he can find the pill. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't really impressed with him yesterday, but I, I'm still happy having him on field. Yeah. And the one that was actually surprised me how comfortable he looked was uh, Bukukamas. Yeah. He's 100, 123k forward rookie. He was playing on Chol, so he was playing essentially at fullback. Um, he scored 59. He played 96% time on ground, which is important. Um, he only had 10 touches, but it, that included eight marks. Um, he's a good kick, which is pretty rare for a fullback. He's a bit undersized. I think he's like 193 or something like that. And he would have to hold out Keith from returning. Uh, yeah. But I think he might. I really think that he, if you're, Keith's slow and lumbering and the way this, this modern age game is working, it's it's a lot about pace. Um, I think Buku provides enough of that intercept marking and enough of that, that pace that he will fit in well. I mean, you've got to remember that the other fullback, um, who was it? I can't remember. Oh, well. <laughs> points mute um they just it's it's good to have, to have a bit of speed um in their back line um so i wouldn't be surprised if i wouldn't be surprised if he's like a good um selection for them oh it's liam jones that's what i was thinking oh yeah yeah he's liam jones is not the picture of speed <laughs> um i think it's a good combo otherwise it's, it is really really slow um, with both of them, so I, I'm leaning towards starting him. Yep, cool. I I think I, I'll get him like if I need that price. Although no, if I need that price, I'll probably get Aaron Cabman. Um, if I need 130k, 120k rookies in my forward line, I I mean I get them both, but I don't think we'll need to. I think there's a lot of good rookie forwards. Yeah, Buku's an option. I'm scared of Cabman. I, mean, really? I guess I'm scared. I think yeah. he's, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. Like he was roaming right up to the like the middle of the ground, like that old kind of Jeremy Cameron at Giants role, and kind of kicking it into the fifty a lot as well. I like he'll have some down scores, but I think he'll be pretty all right. Right. All I, right. No, it's interesting. Although I do have a bias because I was big on him at the start of last year, and I think I said to my mate that he's going to play every game, <laughs> and he definitely didn't. So there might be some Cadman bias for me. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, we're going to jump into the final game of the round, Saints versus North. I mean, we started recording this at quarter time, yeah. Um, so we haven't seen the rest of the game. So we're pulling up the scores now, yeah. and yeah, so uh, we no, not we, too many surprises. We haven't got any eye tests for this from you and I. We're literally just going off scores and stats. So yeah, things we say could be wrong. Um, but Riley Bonner again, he dominated in their other game as well. What what does he cost? He's 284, isn't he, off the top of my head? 284k, what position is he? Midfielder. Mid. How much is he? That. Was that close? Yeah, 284k midfielder. Oh, uh, I think we need to lock him in. No, I don't really. <laughs> but that, He has scored like 120 plus twice. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's going to give me some consideration. I didn't, I wasn't, although he's in the Cam McKenzie in that I was never thinking about him, so I'd have to be breaking my rule to think about him so hear me out hear me out what we did see right like literally as we were pressing record was webster absolutely knock simpkin into 2025 yeah um and 
I'm going to guess that's a five-plus week suspension. Um, it looks really bad. And if that's the case, I mean, Bonner's definitely in the side. Sinclair comes in with no changes to this team. And then does Sinclair perhaps not have to play off the halfback? Can he play in the more midfield role? And, I mean, this is fan fiction at this point. And Bonner just remain as a distributor. Yeah, definitely good. Definitely could happen. He had thirty disposals. Like they obviously wanted it in his hands. Like this isn't obviously we haven't watched the game, but I. What's with all these two hundred k midfielders going on so well? I don't need any of them. <laughs> oh, it's absurd. Put them, whole, make them forward status. Absurd. It's actually crazy. If Riley Bonner I mean, was forward status, I'd snaffle him up. I think. Oh, absolutely. I, I think we're kind of stuck. I don't know how I'd structure my side with him in it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Because if you do, you've got to push Sanders to the bench or something, which I just don't want to do. Would never do that. Um, Yeah, look, Hmm. it's something to think about. I don't have the answer right now, um, but we'll wait and see. Um, Looking at some of the other numbers here, um, Jack Steele, 21 possessions. I'm not super happy. Nine tackles is nice. Nine tackles is nice, but I'm not really questioning his tack. I'm questioning his disposals. Yeah. Um, if he's not a big ball winner, and I, I don't know if he was cruising around in the. I mean, the first quarter, I don't think he was particularly good, eye test wise. I don't know if he just kept that up, and I don't know if he's in first gear or if he's just not that good. Um, we don't have time on ground stats either. He could have played half the game. I can see seventy nine percent. Okay, that's up there then. I, I don't. It might not be enough for me. To think that steals back, I really need to see that twenty-five plus disposals. Well, when I'm, I'm worried, you're I'm essentially worried. comparing him versus Took, even though yeah. Took has a buy. Took looks amazing. Or Newcomb, so. who's a thirty-seven disposal beast. <laughs> uh, I, it's hard for me to pick Steel. Yeah, I, I've been anti-Steel all year, and but that's only because there's some good options just above or below him that I think are better. So. The other big one here is Schoenmaker, 117k defensive rookie. Um, it looks like Howard is out. Um, I don't know what injury it is. I just see the little cross on fan footy. Mm-hmm. Um is 194 centimeters, so he could potentially play deeper if needed. Um, and also Webster's out now. So um, Schoenmaker should survive. I think he's got a couple of weeks, up to five, which is enough to make some money. Um, another good rookie for the back line. Um, Maybe we don't need Gipkis. Yeah, potentially. 11 marks is nice. Like, it's pre-season. That's going to be elevated. But yeah. I do... Yeah, Saints don't mind chipping it around. And, like, Bonner and Schoenmaker could be guys that kind of benefit from that. So, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Um, if we jump to the North Melbourne side, Zach Fisher, my F1. Holy hell. I've just um, seen the score. My mate just messaged me and said, I need Fisher in my team. So I'm guessing he's referring to 36 disposals and six marks. Well, he had 20 in the first half of the match in last week before being subbed. Now he's had 21 in the first half again and finished with 36. This is Aaron Hall's role. And you know yeah. I love Aaron Hall. So yes, you're a sub. I'm taking, I'm taking Zach Fisher into the season. And it's not yeah, even close. Yeah, I am too. Um, and look, Sheasel has 32 touches. Um, I think... I'd like to re-watch this and see what his role was, actually, because, like, if he's off half-back and mid, like, I'm locking Cheezel in. And I think he probably would have had to be to get 32 touches. Well, he definitely... Um, 
started the game off the halfback. Yeah. Um, I don't think he... And he was, like, bursting through the middle. Um, looking, he had 23 uncontested possessions. So I'm going to say most of it was um, yep. from the halfback. I think if you're picking... Yeah, I think if I'm picking... Um, oh, he took five kickouts as well. And he played on from all five. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. I think you can safely pick Fisher and Sheasel um, yep. from this game. Um, looking at some of the other rookies, um, Lazaro, 180k forward... Um, he was getting CBAs okay. when I was watching in the first quarter. Quite a few. He started in the first CBA. Are the CBAs set up there? They're not, no. Yeah, they take um, a while to load. Yeah, no, they're not. Oh, actually, no, they've just, while talking, they have been put up. Um, so it looks like uh, LDU and Wardlaw and Sherry all had 19. Will Phillips had 14. Powell had 9. And Lazaro had 8. Okay. So um, that's... To me, looks like once Will Phillips was put on, um, Powell got pushed out, which is what happened. Yep. Um, so Powell is probably a non-selection. Yeah, because he, he, he's quite a bit more expensive as well. I think he's in the 300s. Yeah, yeah, 312. I think he's yep. done. Um, what the hell happened to LDU? Yeah, you just said he had the most CBAs. He got 14 touches and 30... I see he gave away six free kicks. Doesn't help. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch this game because he was one of my first picks. I think I'd still be keen to select him, but I that's just that's without seeing the game. I don't know what happened. Jack Steele has... He's, it looks like maybe he got tagged. Um, that is absurd. That's anyway. a horrible flaw if that's what happens when you get tagged. Am I scared? Maybe. Will I probably pick him? Maybe. My concern with yeah. North Melbourne as a whole is I hate selecting teams that get done by multiple, like by yeah. bags of goals and the super coach pie shrinks. And do I really want to pick Sherry, Fisher, Sheasel, LDU, um, McKercher? Like, I, I, I was fine too before this game. <laughs> no, no, I don't know if I want. I, I have concerns um, about that. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna. To, I need to think. I'm gonna rewatch the game before I actually make an LDU call because I don't know. Yeah. Um, look at. There's one thing I'm looking at here. How the hell did Toby Pink and he have one kick and one mark and no tackles, and get 28 Dream Team and 70 Super Coach? What? Yeah. To, <laughs> according to fan info, anyway. Or foot, foot, whatever. Yeah, yeah. One. It says 70 Super Coach. I'm looking at it. So I he had 11 know. handballs. But that how does how does one get to seventy despite twenty eight fans? Yeah, he must have had an, a thousand spoils anyway. That's interesting. That I'm sure interesting. Slack will tell us if he was good or not. Um, but I mean, this is pretty pretty funny. Yeah. He had nine intercept possessions. Okay, and he had four spoils. So all of his it doesn't seem like much, does he? So all of his intercept like possessions enough. must have been like ground grubbers that he picked up off the intercept and then handballed it off. Or something. Because <laughs> he didn't get any marks. Anyway. So, speaking of marks, though, uh, Biggie Nguyen, 123k forward rookie, has come out with six marks, 15 disposals, and 87 super coach points. That's pretty nice. I thought it was going to be between Nguyen and Pink, like having to fight for that last role. So, well, that's what I was told anyway. So, I don't know if they both play in round one. I'm not sure. But that's nice. I mean, we've got core that has to come back for one of them. Yeah. 
Um, but that is that's a good game. Yeah, like, like the six marks, and then he kicked eight of them. That's nice. He had two kick-ins. Um, Bailey Scott is has done some nice things. It looks like in this game. I know he was like a. You wouldn't pick like he's too expensive. He's four hundred twenty-three k mid only in Supercoach. You wouldn't pick him, but there were a lot of draft people that snuck him in, and I think that's an awesome pick. I want to talk about yeah. Tristan Jerry because I haven't watched the game. Have to. I haven't watched the game, so I'd like to see the eye test more. But my concern, like I knew he would get a lot of disposals and hit. Uh, oh no, sorry, I knew he'd get a lot of hitouts and he'd destroy Marshall in this hitout battle which Marshall had 12 hit-outs, he had 31. Like, Tristan Jerry is a very good tap ruckman. He wins a lot of taps. My concern is he doesn't get many disposals, he doesn't get many marks, and he only had one mark, and he had four kicks, so that really hurts him. Like, he did have 12 handballs. I mean, that's kind of nice, but I don't want him to be handballing. And also, it looks like he got five free kicks, four, which probably gives him an extra five. <laughs> so if you take them off, he only had 11 disposals and one mark. He also had four frees against. Yep, that hurts the scoring a bit. But <laughs> yeah, if you remove those frees four, he only had 11 disposals and one mark. And they were the two things like I wanted to see like closer to 20 and five if I wanted to start him. Yeah. So I, I like, I, yeah, in my YouTube video I released on Rucks, this is my concern on him, the disposals and the marks. And they were good in the first game and they don't look good in this one. So I think But he I'll has a helmet. Him. And you get bonus points for helmets. Yeah, so he's got the helmet waiting. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I'm just literally going to go Grundy, and, or if I don't like what I see in round zero, I'm going to find a way to get English. I think that's probably probably a play, or maybe yeah. Briggs, but we'll see. Um, all right, so before we move on, Dersma, 81, two goals, still small four that you can't pick? Uh, I'd like to see the game and see if he was pushing up the ground, but no, nah, I don't think he'll do that very often. And McCurchis only scored 55. Um, I don't think I'm too concerned. It's like nah. the ro- as long as the role's there, which I saw in the first quarter, it seemingly mm. was there. I'd like so to I'm see, yeah. Worried. I think, like I said, I'll watch it and see what his role was. But actually, I don't even need to. I'm pretty comfortable with him. He's a little pig. So, Alrighty. I'm gonna say, well, you got to pick a Tassie boy. Yeah. I'm going to say I already used like, my big question from this one. Like, what happened? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then um, the other side... Like a show and maker, and maybe Bonner, probably not. But actually, something we didn't talk about was Wilson, St Kilda forward rookie, twenty-four disposals, ten marks, hundred and six super coach. That's an unreal game. Yeah, um, a lot, he was very, very popular before this. Like he's in a lot of teams. I'd like to watch it and see actually what he does and if he's in round one. But that's like a that's a walk-up selection if he is. I think. There's so many forward rookies. I'm still going back to. to was a Harvey Tom- Thomas. Well, th- um, I think this is why, I, like, when you were talking about Kyle Loman, like, I wasn't that keen because he's got shaky job security when there's probably 55 other rookies we could pick. They all have shaky job security, though. That's So that's the fun of it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I've, I've heard good things about Wilson. He might not. He might be all right. Um, <laughs> one, Nasai Wangadine Malira, 29 disposals, 6 marks, 107. Like, I put a thing in Slack saying, like, calm down, it's just pre-season. I'm just putting this here before the game so that everyone, like, I'm, I'm predicting Wanganeem Malira will get over 100 and everyone will want him. Um, it'd be interesting to see what people's reaction are after this because he got 107 and he had 29 touches and he 
people will be probably keen on him. Yeah, I won't likely. be because Jack Sinclair's coming back, and I think it, you're picking him at that price. He needs to be a 105 keeper, and I don't see that in him. Yep. All right. Awesome. I think. Uh, thank you very much for a very thorough review. <laughs> it's been two and a half hours, and uh, <laughs> if you're still listening. Thank you very much for joining our journey. And don't forget, there's a bunch of content on YouTube. JB's been doing a ton of YouTube content. Pig's been doing a ton of YouTube content. So there's a lot that you can find online. Look at the Dr. Supercoach channel. Um, it's not just the podcasts. It's also the YouTube. So sorry, uh, you'll need to look at both places in this year. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, any final words, Pig? No, I think I'm going to go cook some dinner and probably rewatch this and go to North game and see what happened to my LDU. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks everyone for joining us and uh, tune in next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.